amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. to another great episode of Back in Tunes. We're doing a super-sized edition of Spider-Man cartoons. I almost said, Sp- I almost said Superman. I'll screw that up. I'm your host, Michael. My co-host, as always. Uh, it's Jacob here. And yeah, trust me, we'll talk about Superman next year when they release Batman vs. Superman. I don't know why I was going to say Superman and I stopped myself and I was like, ah, improv, super-sized edition of nonsense out of my mouth and I barf out and try to make coherent. Well- <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, last night I watched uh, Superman Batman Apocalypse, the animated movie. It was yeah. on TV. And, oh, no, it was just great, great animation and, you know, great character design. Fantastic action, as always. But anyway, yeah, hey. now we're talking about Spider-Man. Yes. So we'll wait till next year to discuss. Uh, you know, I still, I really want to do uh, Batman the Animated Series and talk about the Superman series, but it's all about timing. And we're going to wait till next year to do that. So right now, we're just talking about Spider-Man. We're kind of hinting at this anyway. And it's perfect timing because of the announcement last night. Sony and Marvel have decided, have agreed to let Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. So he's going to be joining up with Avengers and all those other guys. Yeah, so it's, it's great that they're allowing their characters to intermix. So Marvel characters will show up in Spider-Man. Well, you know what I mean. The Marvel-owned characters will show up in Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man will be licensed out by Sony to show up in, like, Civil War and Avengers. But you and I both have a huge problem with this deal. The caveat was that they had to fire Andrew Garfield. Which is exactly the dumbest freaking thing they've ever done. Andrew Garfield, I thought, was the perfect Spider-Man and Peter Parker. He was. And um, though this started an argument with someone else I know recently saying that he was a horrible... Horrible Peter Parker, great Spider-Man. That doesn't make any sense. I know. It, well, the thing is, is a lot of people are still accustomed to the 60s version of Peter Parker, you know, and then he started changing the 70s, you know, to be a little more, uh, I don't want to say worldly, but not so, like, kept in with his nerdiness and not understanding how to relate to people and, oh, poor me. You know, he, he still struggled, but he was more of a normal guy. And then throughout the 80s and 90s, you know, he just, it's a different version. I think a lot of people are just used to that 60s version, which is what Tobey Maguire was. But Andrew Garfield is the newer version. He's like a combination of the 90s and 2000 Spider-Man, you know, when he became like the ultimate line. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to mention. They definitely went more with the ultimate approach. Now, I will say this. Andrew Garfield being 31 was weird. I mean, when he got hired, what, he was like 27? I was already like, wait, what? That's still too old. Uh, I know. I was surprised, but he he looks like he's still being high school. I know. It's ridiculous. What is he eating that makes him look that young? It's because he's English and they eat real food. <laughs> Could that be it? Maybe. So, but that, and for Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, he definitely put on some weight. He bulked up. He's got some muscle. And they went with the classic suit design. Right. Now, they're going to replace him. They're going to make him high school age. Does that erase what just happened in Spider-Man 2? What we build up in the first two movies? They should have at least finished this trilogy. I mean, they 
it was in Andrew Garfield's contract that he was going to be in three Spider-Man movies. <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy. And they were going to have a Sinister Six movie as well, and a Venom movie. Now and now that no, no, they gone. said Sinister Six and Venom are still a go. I don't understand how they're going to make Sinister Six... How are they going to make it work when they're erasing the fact that one and two exist? Because they can't make him high school age without redoing it. It makes no sense. Okay. I hope. I mean, I hope this is just speculation, and Andrew Garfield's not gone. I on it because honestly, yeah. But wait, what about the rest of the cast members? The rest of the cast members, like Dane Dehan or uh, Paul Giamatti as Rhino. At best, they better be paying these people off because what bothers me is that an actor has to stick to his contract no matter what. But a studio can ditch it without even a blink of an eye. I don't know how many times you've seen someone sign to like a three picture deal. They do one movie, it bombs, and then they're like, well, you know what, we'll just give them $100,000 and we're not going to do any more yeah. movies with them. And yeah. it's like, well, wait, hold on. Spider-Man 2, I don't think, was it wasn't a bomb. I mean, it made hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, it made a, a juicy profit. I mean, yes, it made the last movie in America than the last few. It's the lowest grossing of the bunch. But overseas, it's still huge. And I'm just saying that maybe they should just cut the budget a little bit, save some money. Instead of spending $250 million, spend 200 finish that storyline, and then move on to the next one. Exactly. Plus, I do want to see what it would be, what Andrew Garfield would be like in the black suit. That would be pretty awesome. I don't know if they're going to do that again. I mean, honestly, they were doing justice to... I mean, and I thought the whole Electro bit in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 was pretty awesome. I mean, whenever his, whenever he was up, his soundtrack would always be like this dubstep electronic kind of thing. That was, I think that really fit the character so well. Yeah, well, I, I hate this brain to you, but Sony did announce officially that Andrew Garfield has been let go, and so has Mark Webb. <sighs> that is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're punishing, basically, the actor and the director for doing what they forced. They were forced to do. The this, this exactly. studio makes these decisions. They don't. So, and ever since the Sony hack, yeah, Sony's been under a lot of fire, and they're trying to make... Uh, yeah, so I just I don't understand. Maybe it's also maybe maybe it's mutual. Maybe Andrew Garfield didn't want to continue because his contract was going to change. Because instead of just doing the three Spider Mans, and they're gonna to have to pay him to do the Avengers movies, you know, by getting someone fresh, they could probably save some money. But it just feels weird, man. It doesn't feel right at all. Yeah, that and also I think Sony want, let go of Andrew Garfield because Andrew Garfield bashed the studios for having the final say on what was gonna what scenes were gonna be in Spider Man Two. Because right. you know Garfield. He was saying, you know, that, you know, ultimately, yes, the studios do have a part in this. And they pretty much cut all the scenes that were going to be so relevant and really fit well with the story and the characters. I would like to see a director's cut if that was ever filmed. They might have cut it out before it even got filmed, so I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's like, come on. I mean, plus, Mark Webb did a great job. And I honestly, with Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, the cinematography was great. It felt like I was looking at the comics. Like, yeah. you know, the kid inside me was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Hence the title, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, so what, what, what do you feel, what villains do you think should still be in the series that haven't been touched uh, yet? Well, it, I mean, I don't know. They definitely, you can tell they killed off Electro. Are we sure? Yeah. Remember at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2? Actually, that battle at the grid? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Sorry, I had amnesia to the end of that movie. Yeah, I know. You know they're going to, I mean, they showed Doc Ock's arms and Vulture's wings. So, yeah, they definitely should be going with the Sinister Six. Those two are definitely going to be in it. But like I said, I honestly would just like to see Venom or possibly Carnage. Those are the ones I've always wanted to see. That's when, when, it, when it was announced that we were going to do a new Spider-Man movie, um, we thought it was going to be like a sequel. Like, you know, it was going to be Spider-Man 4, you know, 
you know, Spider-Man was going to take on Carnage. Like, a piece of the symbiote survived and flourished, replicated, Ugh. and it got a hold of Cletus Cassidy. And I think Woody Harrelson would have been perfect to play that. What are you doing? <laughs> you just ripped a big belch. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a, I drank a lot of water and I had a, a nice little breakfast of nothing. <laughs> of nothing? You didn't eat breakfast? Oh, that's not good. All right. Yeah, no, I'll eat, I'll eat in a bit. Don't worry about it. All right, so what we're doing today is we're discussing two pivotal cartoons from the world of Spider-Man. There have been roughly, what, eight series? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it seems like there's been a lot. Uh, there's yeah, the 60s Spider-Man mm-hmm. with Ralph Bakshi. There's the 80s Spider-Man with, uh, that got spun off into Amazing Friends almost immediately. There's mm-hmm. the 94 series, which I think is the introduction for you to that. Oh, yeah. And then there was Unlimited. And then uh, I want to say there was a Spectacular Spider-Man on MTV where it was like that weird cell-shaded 3D animation. The one with Neil Patrick Harris, right. yeah. And uh, then there's um, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is on Netflix, which I truly enjoy. And I heard that spin it off again into like the Web Slingers of Spider-Man, something like that. Yeah, and he has like a bunch of guest appearances from Marvel heroes. Right. So basically what we wanted to do was stick to the pivotal ones. Also... The show kind of skews towards retro, so we wanted to find something that was older. So we tried to do like one Spider-Man combined with something else, but we just found that the two pivotal ones, Amazing Spider-Man, the '94 series, um, had both like a unique approach to his mythology. So we're just going to discuss those while watching them. So the first episode of Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends is Triumph of the Green Goblin. It's up on YouTube. And, uh, and Netflix, if you have it as well. That's true. And I already played the intro. Did Jerry go through the intro? That I did. Okay, so we're right at the opening screen where it says Triumph of the Green Goblin. Go ahead and hit play. And here we go. 1981, my gosh. Yeah, I might actually want to turn that down before I crank it into the... <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Oh, wow, we got a shot of the Statue of Liberty. It's raining in New York. Already... And there's a speeding car. Yeah, already oh, wow. the style yeah, This reminds me... This animation kind of reminds me of the heavy metal movie. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it does look, I mean, not like the looks of everything, but just, you know, the uh, animation. <clears throat> just, I think that it's high-priced animation to me. Yeah, so what happened was oh, uh, this studio, it's Marvel Productions, but they had bought out a previous company by Frizz Freeling, you know, the famous Looney Tunes artist. Uh, him and his mm-hmm. partner had a company where they designed, like, I don't know, about 20 cartoons. Most famously would be the Pink Panther shorts. But they decided oh. to sell to Marvel, and they had the right price, so Marvel took over. Pretty much the same people were in charge. It's just Marvel banked it. And um, right. so Spider-Man is one of the very first from their line. Yeah. And, of course, you get all these classic little one-liners from, you know, the webhead. And what would happen if Spider-Man didn't have those? That would be horrible. I don't know, he just wouldn't be himself. He was always a goofy he's always a goofy guy. You know, he was still a bit of a nerd, so that would, you know, latch on to that persona. So yeah. the writer of this uh, first episode is Dennis Marks. And Dennis Marks worked a bunch in animation. He was on Marvel's team for a few years. What he did significant after launching this series was he bought the rights to Dungeons and Dragons to produce it in film and cartoons. So that series that you see is uh, because of him. Oh, awesome. He also did Goltar and the Golden Lance, the Transformers, and then uh, the Jetsons movie. He worked for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, this guy had quite, oh, this guy had quite success. Yes, he did. 
I mean, when you're working on a big franchise like big franchise like Transformers and Ninja Turtles, yeah. Well, it helps that Marvel also produced. It says they Marvel fired him before the Transformers series developed, but um, maybe, oh. they, maybe they brought him back. I don't know, because Marvel also is responsible for Transformers. I, I might be wrong about that one. I got <laughs> I got to look that up. I thought they were. Yeah. So it's like they're already established that the, you know they're good friends. You know, Spider Man and Iceman. You know what? Where does that even come from? That just seems to come out of nowhere, where Iceman is just part of his world, whereas in the comics, uh, they barely know each other. Yeah, they do. I mean, Spider-Man goes to the X-Men for help regarding, you know, him transforming, you know, him changing and mutating. And, uh, you know, I, that... Firestar, you know, you, you and I discussed this last time, she kind of came out of nowhere. She is original creation for the comics, or for the cartoon, and I don't know who else they had in mind before her. But it's just kind of like, well, you know, that's a good balance between fire and ice. I'm sure it was intentional. Pretty much, yeah. And creating Firestar, and now she's part of, like, what, the New Warriors? Well, yeah, she was part of the New Warriors. Then she joined the Avengers for a while. I don't know if she went back to another team, because I know she's on the Avengers anymore. Oh, that, and I remember, uh, I think one of the times I really remember her, too, was when I played the Spider-Man Maximum Carnage video game. Oh, she's in that? Really? Yeah, you, you well, yeah, you use her. She helps you out, because, you know... Symbiotate, fire, and sonic sound. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yep. Now you do. Yeah, and she. The thing is, you find a little head icon. You push like R or L, and then she comes in and like you know uses the special attack and kills all the bad guys around you. That's weird. You know what? Originally, it was supposed to be the Human Torch. Oh really? Yeah, which was a bad balance having all boys. I don't think that would have worked. But another company had licensed out Fantastic Four, which is ironic because they never actually used the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four cartoon. They had to replace them because they're worried how uh, they thought children were going to set themselves on fire, so they replaced what? him with a robot. You didn't know that? Oh my God, no, I didn't know. How old was this Fantastic Four cartoon? Uh, it's from the same time period. I think it's the same year, eighty-one or eighty-two. So yeah, the Fantastic oh Four did not have Human ah. Torch. They took them out and they put a little robot in called Herbie. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. Yeah. That's bizarre. Oh, okay. So uh, it says here that Firestar is now officially a member of the X Men, which might be the first time in her entire history that she's actually been a part of the X Men in comics, whereas in the cartoon she is. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Oh god, this part honestly, I think that was a little tribute to Hong Kong Fui with the dog in the uh, with the dog in the kung fu outfit. Oh, you know what? I, I would not be surprised. Yeah, honestly, okay. Here, the thing is, Spider Man dressing up, you know, Peter Parker dressing up as Spider Man, dead giveaway, man, dead giveaway. Regardless <laughs> of how the costume is. I love how many references there are to the whole universe by having these people dress up as them. Though it's a bit surprising what? that there's uh, so many um, Marvel costumes apparently available. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I could point, I could probably point out so many of these. There's Storm, there's Hercules, there's uh, Namor, the Submariner, there's Hulk, there's of course the Spider-Man, then there's, uh, oh gosh, that's not Henry Pym, is it? And then you've got, um, oh god, Luke Cage, you got Firefly, you got Vision, you got Silver Surfer, uh, Overweight Silver Surfer, Thor, Jean Grey, Doctor Strange... And Black Panther. Wow, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice any of those people. Yeah, no, I, Iron Man, there's Iron Man. You, you, uh, I think you're a few seconds behind me. I'm going to pause. Go ahead. Just keep... Yeah, no, I think I might have been. And then there's like this guy. Yeah, that's like, okay, that's not a real Green Goblin. He's clearly on strings. This show's fake. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh my god. Yeah, come on, Spider-Man. You're, you're supposed to be a great observationalist. You got friggin' Spidey sense. 
Oh, now you. Oh, now go. Now, now it's you. Oh gosh, this girl is thirsty. Who's she supposed to be? I have no idea who that is at all. She looks like she's completely made up. Uh, probably yeah, just some creative girl who wants to you know jump on top of Spidey. And yeah, oh Firestar. Oh brilliant plan. Oh god yeah. Hey, there's Falcon. This is great. No, oh yeah, there's yeah he's right behind he was right behind a uh, Firestar. Though it's a bit weird that he looked white. I know. I was like, oh come on. Uh, 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 oh, this is the best revenge to get on a girl at a Halloween party. Oh, no! <laughs> you know, I've always noticed that, you know, Harry, you know, Norman Osborn, like in the comic books, he always has like that, and in the cartoons, he has this funny hairstyle. He has the weirdest hair. I don't understand what it is. It looks like shag carpeting. Who has it hair does, like yeah. that? It's like cornrows, but not uh, horizontal, it's more vertical. Yeah, it's, it's the strangest hair I've ever seen. And, you know, his son, of course, had it. And I, I feel like there was another character in comics that had that weird hair. I'm just like, you guys should just shave it down to nothing. I mean, you could you could just buff things with it easily. Yeah, it is. He looks like he's got, like, a... It's a weird perm. You know, I think it's time for them to move away from Green Goblin. Maybe if they're going to bring back some sort of character like that, bring in the Hobgoblin. It's time to move on a little bit. But, I know. Honestly, I think Willem Dafoe... Looking back on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, I it felt like you know it did feel like you were watching the '60s Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean he was raised on that, so it makes sense. Mark Webb is like my age, so he has a different aspect. You know, he came in probably when you know uh, I should probably say with the comic books for me, I started with issue two eighteen, I believe it's one where Sandman and Hydra Man became one giant beast. Oh, uh, and I, yeah, and I kept reading it throughout the off and on throughout, and then around issue uh, two seventy or something like that, I just got a regular subscription. Like I just kept, you know, kept it going for years. I will say it's my favorite uh, issue ever is when um, it's Silver Sable, uh, Sandman, who is good for that time period. Actually, Sandman really isn't that bad. Uh, Sandman and Spider Man going up against. Uh, who was the villain again in Iron Man 2, uh, Sam Rockwell's character? Uh, I forget. Uh, Hector uh, Hammer? No, no, it was Justin Hammer, yeah. Um, Justin Hammer, he had all these, like, people he hired, you know, like, usually guys, like, were in armor or whatever, because he usually took on Iron Man, but he hired all these guys, these hardcore guys to take out Spider-Man, and um, just watching Spider-Man, who has a broken arm, by the way, and Silver Sable, who has no powers, except she's just really good at kung fu and has weaponry, and the Sandman, who's kind of ambivalent to which side he's on, taking on, like, six dudes that are just, like, way more powerful than he's really faced. I mean, even more so, I think, than the Sinister Six. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was the most amazing comic I think I've ever read. And um, I know. And then I really hooked in when Todd McFarlane took over, and they oh, introduced yeah. Venom. Um, I ended up selling most of my Spider-Man comics off for baseball cards because it wasn't cool to read comics anymore. Yeah. And uh, which is a huge mistake on my part, but I kept issue 300 of Spider-Man in like mint condition. Man, when I needed it, I sold that sucker for huge cash. Damn no, and uh, honestly, yeah, that's when I—that's what I was growing up on. I grew up on the Tom McFarlane Spider-Man, who gave him all these really cool ambidextrous, like you know, poses and you yeah, know, he changed acrobatic. Though I'll say yeah. this: his the hair on Mary Jane was insane. It was so big. I was like, how many hours did it take for you to draw this? Oh, I know, dude, he gets, the detail he goes into is just bizarre, and also, like, the, you know, designing the webbing, it wasn't just simple little strands with a couple lines through them, like Stanley did, like, you know, how we see in the cartoon right now, right. no, it was just very detailed and just coiled and how it would, like, spin, 
it was awesome. Yeah, if you watch the Spider-Man cartoons, the evolution of his costume is just amazing how it's changed over the years because you watch the 60s series and there's hardly any detail in the costume whatsoever because it was too hard to draw, you know, the, all the webs and the, the, the special stuff going on. And then yeah. this one, you have a little more. And by the 90s, they finally got it right. You know, he did, did you ever notice that Spider-Man in the comics has webbing going under his armpits? Yes, it was uh, as if he was, uh, oh gosh, base jumping. Yeah. You know, just, just in case he ever ran out of webs, he would base jump and float down and try not to run into anything. Yeah, and then the eyes got bigger. You know, you would you, he had more of a range, visual range in his costume. Uh, the webbing seemed yeah. more intricate in the design. And um, I would say probably the best is the Ultimate Spider-Man, though. Are you watching that at all? Uh, no, I'm not, but I know it's here on Netflix. Yeah, it, it dives full-on right into this world uh, that, you know, already exists. So you get to see all these, um, you know, like Power Man and Iron Fist, these characters that are kind of like C-level, D-level, and they add them to the main cast. And it's just like, yeah, that, these are the people I want to see. I'm tired of seeing the same faces over and over, and it, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, because yeah, Spider-Man would team up with them more often. You know, you know the street, you know the street, you know the street heroes. Yeah, I mean the comics, they put him in the Avengers because it helps sell the comic. Because I think when the Avengers got canceled, they were kind of in a weird place where the sales were okay, but they weren't phenomenal. And all of a sudden, it came back, and they had Wolverine and Spider-Man. You're like, what? That's never happened. Yeah, they was, were honorary Avengers. Yeah, you thought it was stupid at first. You're like, what? What are they doing? They always like ask them, but they don't really join. And then they became part of the team. Like, for a really long time, became part of the team. And then Brian Michael Bendis, man, he's like, he just killed it. He just wrote the best stories to those guys. Oh, I bet. I mean, honestly, but like I said, honestly, I mean, it's it just still hurts me that Andrew Garfield's not going to be Spider-Man. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. They got to find someone really good, someone charismatic. They're going young. And I gotta say, the difference between a 24-year-old actor and a 16-year-old actor is epic. I mean, it's very, very hard to find anybody who hasn't been classically trained in some way to really emote. It's it's very rare. I mean, what's acceptable for a teenager is not acceptable in your 20s. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wish Marvel Studios would be like, you know what, fuck you, Sony, we're gonna go with Andrew Garfield. Wow. I'm sorry. It's okay. Can we, uh, we can just redo that? No, we can't. I don't know how to edit. I'm, I'm a schmuck. I have no idea how to edit. Well, let's keep going. Okay. Shoot, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm just so mad at Sony. That's only one. That was only one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. It, it, the listeners may wonder. We were just trying to skew uh, a little cleaner just because we are starting to have some younger audience. Um, and I know some of you out there are like, oh, what's the problem, man? But you know, It's Sony. Yeah. <laughs> in this case it's sony i'm sorry so the 80s you know he uh spider-man really hadn't latched on to mary jane yet in fact is she even part of this series i can't remember i don't think so i don't remember ever seeing mary jane in any of these cartoons i think it's because firestar's redhead you know she was a girl kind of the focus I always, it'd be I, kind of confusing yeah i think little kids would be like wait is mary jane firestar i don't understand what's going on and yeah. Gwen Stacy had been dead in the comics for a very long time, so she wasn't really part of the equation. Spider-Man went through, oh, a, Spider-Man went through a really awkward period for a while there um, in the late 70s, early 80s, is because Gwen Stacy was dead. Mary Jane wasn't really part of the picture. She kind of just popped in here and there, but she wasn't really his main squeeze. And then I don't think they knew really knew what to do with the character, and he was going through some like you know his late teens, early 20s, and so he was hooking up with Black Cat... 
uh, hanging out with Silver Sable. He wasn't really dating her. I thought there was someone else that he was dating, but it was mostly Black Cat. You know, she was kind of a villain, so he it was kind I of. I do remember. I do remember Betty Brant too. Yeah, that's right, the frat. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. So, yeah, all of a sudden they just decided, and I thought it was kind of fast. Is he started dating her again, and then within like I feel like it was like like twelve issues or something like that, he was marrying her, and I'm like, wait, what? Who does that? Because you know, comic book time and real time are not the same. You can have like thirty six issues. And uh, it's only a year. Yeah, they could be like uh, they can be uh, like you know, a few like you know a few weeks or a few months apart, a few days even. Right, because like with some comics, it's a long stretched out. The uh, when uh, Todd McFarlane relaunched his own version of Spider-Man, and they started with the Torment storyline where he took on the Lizard, I really think it was only in a 24-hour period, and yet it was six issues. So time has a weird way there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, okay, this is an easy trap. It's like, come on, Green Goblin, you're supposed to be intelligent, and you didn't think Spider-Man could just gum up the Mashers with his webbing? Yeah. God, Green Goblin's kind of, they make Green Goblin kind of an idiot in this. Yeah, I mean, he's he's his greatest villain. In fact, in the comics, he's so sinister, so intelligent. For a while there, he was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Did you know that? A while? Yeah. And he, as Norman Osborn? Yeah, as Norman Osborn, he took over S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, what happened was, during the Civil War storyline... Mm-hmm. Um, so the new warriors basically they have a fight at the school and the school blows up killing hundreds of children and most of the new warriors are dead the only survivor is speedball and um, they put him Why? In, they put him in prison and that's how he becomes penance is he, he feels like he needs to pay for his sins even though he's not really that guilty he um, puts his body like in a, he, puts a, he puts himself in a suit that gives him pain right. and, it, and that pain you know, energizes his powers. So what happens was, because of this, they decide to introduce the Registration Act, where all superheroes have to reveal who they are and license themselves to the government, or they go to prison. And Iron Man is on the side of the government, and Captain America is not. He believes it's their freedom to yes, defend their exactly. country without having to reveal who they are. Which kind of surprised me, because Iron Man was kind of the rogue, and Captain America was the good old boy, and it kind of switched places. And yeah, it did. I mean, if anything, Tony, I mean, he was like kind of reluctant to join the government, but he was just trying to do what was best for, you know, everybody else. Right. And somehow Norman Osborn worked it that he ended up taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. And he had his own versions of the Avengers. Like Bullseye was pretending to be... Um... Daredevil. Was it Daredevil? I mean, if anybody, that's what I'm guessing. I mean, I, I, no, I don't Bullseye really remember the Civil Hawkeye. War story that much. Bullseye was Hawkeye. Yeah, and I remember, I think, well, no, I played a game called Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, and it did, you know, it was, it was based off the Civil War. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have the first one. I still haven't finished. How was the oh, second man, one? Dude. I wish they made a, I wish they make a third one. Well, that's a good call if you, you like the second one enough to make a third one. But, you know, the first and second one were so far apart, you know, I wonder if they will get around to doing a third one. Oh, yeah. No, the, yeah, no, like I said, the second one was, like, you know, based off the Civil War. Yeah. The Civil War storyline, and... Also, the graphics were much better, and you can actually do team-up uh, powers. Like, you know, you could fuse them, like, you know, come up with all sorts of combos. And it looked much better. The graphics were way better. They did look more realistic and less cartoony. But, um, I honestly, if they do make a third one, I, I, they can't go to Silicon Knights, because I think Silicon Knights went bankrupt. Oh, I didn't know that company at all. Who is that? What else have they done? Um, oh, gosh. can't recall. I know they worked on, I think, a few uh, Legacy of Kane video games. Oh, okay. I know they're on the first Blood Omen and possibly uh, 
Defiance. I can't remember what else. You know what's weird is I'm listening to Green Goblin's voice, and it sure sounds like a woman. It sounds a lot like June Foray. It does sound like an old woman. Yeah, he can you does. Imagine, can, you, can you imagine him inviting you to have cookies and milk? Yeah, it's coming to my house. Let me bomb you with some pumpkins. You, you, did, you did a much <laughs> better... Pumpkin spiced uh, cookies. Oh, oh. oh and my you, want some, you want some lemon lime punch. And a punch in the face. <laughs> oh, God, look at this. Oh, God, this cop here. I mean, come on. Yeah, at first he's doing his job, giving him a ticket, being a little jerk. And then he decides, no, he wants Spider-Man's autograph. <laughs> you know, in the 90s, I was absolutely fascinated with Iceman. Something about his run with the X-Men when uh, Joe Madureira was drawing it. Um, I absolutely just, I thought the character was amazing because they started going into his powers more. Like, he, Iceman figured out he can just freeze the blood in your spine and kill you instantly. It's weird. Or it Apocalypse ended up punching a hole through his chest and he was afraid to revert back to human form because he would die. I was like, I never even thought of that. What happens? Because he is ice and he's a little more brittle. What happens, you know, if a piece of him breaks off? Oh, exactly. But yeah, also, yeah, plus Iceman, uh, his first appearance was with the X-Men. He was one of the original X-Men. Right. But like in the movies, they did kind of have him like start off as a younger X-Men with Rogue. I guess because that way, you know, Rogue could connect with someone more. Yeah, well, he was younger than everybody else in the comics too. Oh, yeah, you're right. So it does make sense. But, anyway, yeah, also, yeah, I, would, I did want to mention Captain America, the third Captain America movie when, you know, Iceman showed up dressed up as Captain America for the costume party. Yeah, that's going to be the third movie. It's going to be Civil War. Yeah, it just, the sad part is they can't really include the X-Men. But you know what? I don't really recall the X-Men being a huge part of Civil War anyway in the comics. So I think no, you're right. I mean, it's because it was really just a couple of, a couple of the X-Men that were honorary Avengers. Right. Well, it, so that's it, it, why. Yeah, and, and X Men were already hunted anyway, so it's like, well, why beat a dead horse when you already have the same kind of thing going on? Plus, honestly, after Days of Future's Past, I think that really did save the franchise. I really have I mean, to, I have I, to hurry up and watch really, that movie. Yeah, honestly, I don't think that franchise was going downhill, but I think, I mean, First Class was, like, I think the best one so far. Yeah, but, but also, you got, it didn't you know, do well with the box office. It didn't? And it did okay, but it was the I mean, lowest. Well, 2011. Level. 2011 was a bad, wasn't that good of a year for movies. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, no, X Men was like the best one. It was the best movie of the summer, first class. That and it, it seemed like it was kind of just like you know going back, changing everything, you know, new continuity, new characters. Because uh, that character, oh gosh, uh, you know the White Queen. Right. Uh, she was in X Men Origins Wolverine. She was the one that turned to, to diamond skin. Right. Yeah, I she was a little ki she was a little kid in the 80s, but she was like. Uh, pretty much almost a grown adult. Makes no sense first class. at all. <laughs> I know. That's because X-Men Origins Wolverine did not make sense at all. No, it's, it's just, they ignore it, it's fine, just move on. Yes, I know. But the Wolverine, the one in Japan, that I thought was a lot better. Yeah, it was. Way, I thought it was way better, it, it actually showed blood. And it did show, you know, Wolverine as a Ronin. And we got to see Silver Samurai, which was not a disappointment. Huh. I didn't realize, Nelson Shin... Uh, the director of Transformers the Movie was an animator on this episode. Oh, wow. Alright, so we're going to take a brief break. Um, Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends is over, and then we're going to jump into the 1994 series. Yes, indeed, yeah. But I will...
Welcome back to the show. We took a brief break. We were talking about Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Now we're going to talk about the 1994 version of Spider-Man. Probably the most successful and popular version of the show. Yes, it's the one I definitely grew up on. Honestly, oh yeah, and my little... And honestly, I even showed up showed this to my little brother. Because he watched the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Right. Then I decided to show him the animated series. And he was absolutely in love with, in love with it. it. It was very relevant. I mean, it was still kind of modern. And still cool. Yeah, it's more modern you know, like than the '80s cartoons. series, that's for sure. Um, so yeah. it's up on YouTube. The episode is called "Night of the Lizard." So we're just gonna watch this and wrap up our show. Ready to go? Yes. All right. So yeah, the thing is, what I wanted to discuss that theme song was actually by Steve Vai. Was it Steve Vai or Steve Perry of Aerosmith? Not Steve Perry. Steve. Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Are you no, sure? I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Steve Vai. I think he worked on it later, but. Huh. Oh, okay, because it says Maybe. here on Wikipedia that Joe Perry put it together. Oh, well, dang. I, what the hell did Steve Vai do then? <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe he came in later to do some guitar work. You know, the funny Probably, thing is, yeah. Okay, so I'll That's say this. Right. The 80s series, um, it, it just reeks of its time period because of the disco theme and a lot of the cartoons had that kind of mentality. This took a note from the Batman series by going deep into the mythology, grabbing characters that weren't that popular. Because, you know, in the 80s, they only had maybe a dozen characters that uh, were really well-known, you know, villains, and they made up some, and it, it just seemed, I don't think the world was that strong. But this series, they said, you know what, we're going to go into whatever we can grab from Marvel that isn't already licensed. Like, there's no mutants in this one, and I don't really think there's many Avengers, but... They went in, they're like, let's grab all these, like, C&D characters, like the way they do with Ultimate Spider-Man. And that's yeah, what I love. I mean, all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's cool. No, but as far as, like, introducing characters, you can even tell, like, in the credits at the beginning, they show Michael Morbius, and they also showed um, Punisher. But Punisher wasn't black. His costume was not black. It was all green. Right. That I had a problem with. I mean, I... Uh... Wait, you saw green? I think you watched a different one. I saw black and white. So no, the, uh, the Punisher in this cartoon, no, his suit's green. Really? With the Why? white skull on it, yeah. Yeah, if you look at it, if you like, if you look at the intro again later, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so and his, his, his boots and his gloves were black, but that's it. So Spider-Man made a dramatic change when Todd McFarlane took over. So he changed the look, Eric Larson helped change the look, you know, and they kind of set the tone. Uh, uh, Mark Bagley, who drew the comic forever and ever and ever, you know, he gave the the non-costume look um a very distinctive style and a lot of the villains changed you know green goblin was out he was dead so hobgoblin came in you know and venom became a huge thing of course there's carnage and a lot of the older uh, villains they updated their costumes and their powers so this was really of the moment but yet it, it it anticipated what was next the theme song sounds like something that could still go now and the look is still pretty contemporary I do want to mention, like, the, you know, the voice actors here. You got Ed Asner as J. Jonah Jameson, who was, you know, perfect and was the ideal J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah, and it's, the cast is a higher quality, too. I'm not saying anything against people who do voice work solely, you know, that's their only thing. But I think they went out and they tried to search out some actors who, could, you know, had a screen persona at the same time mix it up with voice work. Like, did you just tell me Hank Azaria did uh, Eddie Brock's voice? Yeah, he's Eddie Brock and Venom in this cartoon. Yeah, that's him right there. <laughs> Okay, so we have Ed Asner, and of course, at the time, C.B. Barnes was kind of a hot thing. He, had, uh, he hadn't been in the Brady Bunch movies just yet. I, th I believe the first movie was in the can before the cartoon premiered. But before that, he was in a TV show called Starman, based on the movie. 
And he was also on a TV show for about three years called Day by Day, which is the first thing that Julie Louis-Dreyfus, uh, the first thing I had seen her in. Oh, gosh. Honestly, the first thing I seen her in as a kid because was, uh, of course, Seinfeld. But before that, I remember uh, this one movie she was in was Troll. Oh, Troll. Wow. Yeah, her, she was in that with Sonny Bono. That's an awful, awful movie, but so many people have seen it. It's weird. It's so bad, but it's so good. <laughs> um, so the animation style has changed quite a bit. Uh, the companies have changed. You know, Marvel did the 80s series here in America, but by the 90s, you know, the budgets had changed, so they went overseas. And you can see there's an anime flavor to it. The colors are much brighter and bolder. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, honestly, this was what was like kind of setting the standard as far as, you know, the coloring and the brightness for pretty much all of Spider-Man for me. Now, here's the weird thing. is Spider-Man here still looks like he did in the 80s series. His eyes are still very small. The blue doesn't have much texture. He doesn't have the webs under the arm. I don't think I didn't see them. Plus, I like the, I like the narration that they bring in with uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, telling his story. It's kind of like how, you know, when you're reading a comic book, you hear his thoughts. You know, they're written out and subtitled. When, uh, when they announced the Spider-Man movie was going to be made with James Cameron... Um, I had I, I was I was hoping they were actually going to cast CB Barnes because at the time he looked just like Peter Parker, and I was, that and he still looked young. Yeah, and I was just disappointed. You know, it took so many years from James Cameron signing on to do this the treatment or whatever to actually getting out of litigation. All these companies had the rights, and you know I think at one point Canon had the picture and they were going to have Bob Hoskins play. Uh, Dr. Octopus and they had some kid that I don't remember he was like a gymnast he was going to play Spider-Man and you know that died and then you know Canon Pictures went bankrupt so somebody owned the rights and somebody else owned the rights and somebody else owned this and that and you know when whoever we... bought Canon what? whoever bought Canon owned the rights I think yeah uh, well Caracol I believe bought the rights afterwards it's, it's, it's a mess the whole thing is a huge mess and finally it got cleared up in 99 when Sony said you know what Let's clear this all up. We got the rights. We're going to make a movie. And, you know, when they announced Sam Raimi, I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I, I That totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, plus Sam Raimi, he was, one, he was one of the directors that wanted to do Batman. Well, he also wanted to do The Shadow, and he couldn't get the rights to The Shadow, so that's how he created Darkman. Yeah, he created his own superhero. And plus, you know, it had Liam Neeson in it. Right. He had, like, crazy energy from the Evil Dead movies. He had the superhero thing down with, you know, attitude and style. And then he started to show more sophistication. He started doing um, A Simple Plan, which is a great movie, The Gift, For Love of the Game. And, you know, he, he showed he could handle a big cast and at the same time handle drama. So the whole thing made yeah. sense. Tobey Maguire, but though, did not make sense to me at first. I didn't like Tobey Maguire that much. I mean, looking back, I was like... Yeah, I mean, we liked it because, you know, finally Spider-Man was on the big screen as a kid. That's why I liked it. But looking looking at it now, being an adult, and I'm just like, oh, God, I thought this guy was terrible. He was so stupid. What, Tobey Maguire? I, yeah, I thought Tobey Maguire's character, especially the way he portrayed Peter Parker, he was always just the point of ridicule. Well, you know, being poked at. I mean, that was also Sam Raimi's own touch to it. Just right. Fun well, he, like I said, yeah, we discussed earlier, he grew up in the 60s version of Peter Parker, but he had changed so much over the decades that really wasn't the Peter Parker that I grew up with, or definitely not the one you grew up with. By then, he was pretty happening. Yeah. But overall, I mean, yeah, the first one, you know, it was great. It had Green Goblin, but it, I mean, just like, you know... You know, stuff that Willem Dafoe would say, like, after, you know, after he gets beaten, his jet's kind of malfunctioning, he's flying away, he says, we'll meet again, Spider-Man. It's definitely, like, 
you know, campy. yeah, a note to like how the '60s was. Yeah, it, it's tongue in cheek. It's campy. Um, the second one is a lot better though. The first one, that I will agree. The first one gets the attitude down. He gets so much right, but there's some stuff that's still just not fitting. You know, uh, William Defoe just plays it too campy, and um, the costume still looks kind of silly. Yeah, I know. I was like, why would the costume, or at least the why would that that kind of suit with the glider have that kind of helmet? I mean, did he just make the helmet? Plus, he was supposed to actually turn into a goblin, you know, like I, with the, after that serum. Yeah, I don't remember that part, but um. I remember the mask being something like symbolic. It's been a while since I've seen the first one. I actually should go back and revisit it. Um, here's the funny thing. Is I was working in a movie theater when the second one came out, and we had it on like three screens, and still just completely, absolutely sold out. And I was in charge of running... Uh, the theater in Monterey was weird. We owned the... Go- or we, not we. Regal owned the Golden State Cinema, which is a huge, huge theater, like thousands of seats, you know, there's tons and tons of seats. And then they had one across the street that they bought from some independent guy. And that was kind of meant for, like, second-run movies and, you know, stuff that wasn't that popular. They threw it over there because there's only, like, 600 seats. Right. Well, in order to get the exclusive rights to Spider-Man, we had to, like, sign a deal or whatever to say, hey, we'll carry three prints and run them a certain amount of times a day. I mean, it was, like, at 8 o'clock in the morning. I kid you not, 8 o'clock in the morning we're running it, and then it was airing at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. So the theater never really closed. It like stopped for like four hours just so we could clean it. But um, I was over at the Regal, and it was a smaller theater, and there's no air conditioning in there, and it was July, and oh, it's completely God. packed. And I'm pretty sure there's a handful of people on the verge of stroke because I, I had to open the doors. I have no idea how many people snuck in for free, but I had to open the doors just to get some ventilation, and it was just a nightmare for everybody. Wow. I mean, people just really wanted to see that movie. My gosh. Yeah, I mean, we had lines and just massive. It would just go forever and ever. And it's weird because that might be one of the last times. Movies don't really play out like that anymore. You know, there's so much theft and bootlegging. And, you know, now there's like thousands of screens carrying this stuff. And, you know, it's it's starting to die away. I'm, I'm sure tons of people still show up for like American Sniper and Avengers but oh yeah, all the big movies. There was something about Spider-Man that was just like this phenomenon. It felt like Star Wars all over again. It was. Plus, you know, everybody loved Spider-Man for so long. I mean, it's highly it was highly anticipated ever yeah. since like it, you know, it got announced in newspapers and stuff. Well, we had and a, also yeah, we had a live-action TV show in the '70s, and man, did that fail? That had no budget whatsoever. I knew there was one. I think they only aired it on like Spanish channels. No, no, it aired in America. I, I saw it in reruns. Um, they released some of them on VHS, too. There were 13 episodes, I believe, and a couple of movies. Which, the movie thing is kind of confusing because I think there was a couple of movies in the beginning, but then later they would combine them, like combine two episodes as a movie, which was not coherent mm-hmm. whatsoever in the middle. You're like, wait, what? All of a sudden the storyline changed? And they would air them on TV and sell them on tape like that. Oh, uh, yeah. No wonder why I did that. Also, as far as like Spider-Man 2, it definitely did you know, focus on... Peter Parker's confliction with being, you know, both Spider-Man and trying to find that balance. Right. Kind of like what happened with the Amazing Spider-Man 2, but Amazing Spider-Man 2 did it way better. Well, I thought the Spider-Man 2, what it did right was the humor was taken out of the villain part. You know, there's no campiness. They took the humor and put it into Peter Parker's world. You know, that's where it became funny. And then when it came to Doc Ock, they made the villain very sympathetic. He had no control over what was going on. It was all an accident. So that's something that you can understand a little bit more and feel sympathy. Plus, they have the whole martyr aspect. You know, Peter Parker basically sacrifices himself. And I thought the third one 
You know, the third one isn't as bad as people say it is. They act like it was, like, the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's just a mess. There's too many things going on. There's too many characters. I don't Especially understand. with Sandman. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it should have just been Sandman. I think that was the, the point that they were trying to make, is that the Sandman was the original villain. There weren't supposed to be anybody else. But Marvel had to, like, stick their nose in things and get Sony to push Sam Raimi to add Venom. He's a hot villain. Venom should have been handled all on his own, and it should not, as much as I love Topher Grace, should not have been him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If anything, I thought Topher Grace, if anybody could have been Spider-Man when it first started out, he should have been Spider-Man. Yeah, you know what? I think that, Grace... that surprised me, too. Well, actually, I was kind of pushing for um, uh, Nicholas Brendan from Buffy. Oh, as Eddie Brock? No. Oh, wait, I thought we were talking about Spider-Man. No, I thought Nicholas Brendan uh, would have been perfect as Peter Parker. He had the... Oh. He had the look down. He had the sense of humor. He was still fit back then. I think he's put on quite a bit of weight since then. But at that yeah. time, he was a perfect fit. He ha- he was the right height too, because you know, honestly, Tobey Maguire is kind of uh, kind of small. Yeah, he is. I mean, yeah, he did work out a bunch just to get that you know to fit that Spider-Man look to be a little a little bit more muscular and not so scrawny. But yeah. Well, no, I mean, just in stature, he's he. I think he's only like five five or five six and. He has a shorter guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the comics, he, he's changed, you know. He, he looks more elegant the way Andrew Garfield looks, you know, just like sleek and tall. Yeah. Plus, as far as it goes, I mean, yeah, they just really, uh, in Spider-Man 3, it, it just, like, you know, Sam Raimi, they, and killing off Venom. No, why'd you kill off Venom? He could have gotten away. Right. Well, also, okay, so my big problem is Eddie Brock and Peter Parker were perfect yin-yangs. And a lot of the great villains are like that, you know, there's, there's, um, the Flash, and then Reverse Flash, and then there's Green uh, Arrow. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and, and then Sinestro and Green Lantern, and just, you know, they always have this counterbalance. Two guys that are very similar, but something about it just switches. But um, Eddie Brock was really great because Peter Parker was svelte, you know, good-looking, a charmer. Eddie Brock was a brute who was massive. He had blonde hair. Peter, I mean, everything was just really counterbalanced. Whatever Peter didn't have, Eddie Brock had. And... When they brought in Topher Grace, you're looking at Topher Grace and Tobey Maguire going, uh, okay, which one's the stand-in for who? Because you guys look almost alike. Exactly, yeah, that's what it was. Um, yeah, no, honestly, yeah, I, I, Venom was supposed to be a bunch, a, much bigger. But also, when, like, the voice changing, like, whenever, you know, Topher Grace would speak while he's Venom. Yeah. Like, it's, it, not a lot of people were like, yeah, you could, you could hardly tell there's a difference in his voice. It's like, yeah, he sounds deeper and a little more raspy. But, like, when his mask comes off, he sounds like regular Eddie Brock again. Right. Um, I do like what they did with James Franco, though. They gave him a full arc there. It's just he was buried under all this other stuff, and I, I thought he was robbed. I mean, he was such a significant part of that movie, and then it's just kind of taken away. Killing him yeah, off, was, though, was a surprise. Yeah, it was. I was. That was sad. It was like the, that Spider-Man trilogy ended mainly because they killed James Franco. Way to go, Sam Raimi. <laughs> you know, and the thing is about forgiveness, the only problem is they hammer that home over and over and over. Yeah, we got it. The movie's about forgiveness. You don't have the to drug addi- and the drug, you know, and the drug addiction, which is what the symbiote was, right. you know, because Peter Parker was addicted to the power, and the, the more strength he got, but he, it fed into his rage. They really didn't play, honestly, when they did that whole dumb montage of when he got the black suit, you know, being this goofy Saturday Night Fever parody. That's, that's I, the worst that, part of me. That hurt. That was the worst part of it. And they added in just Gwen Stacy out of nowhere. I was like, wait, whoa. Yeah, they totally should have waited. Now, we're kind of running out of time. The episode's almost over. So I guess what we try to talk about is The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. My problem with 1 is what I was 
what I read initially was Amazing Spider-Man was supposed to take place between the first and second movie. So therefore, the origin is out of the way, but they can also reboot it a little bit and make him younger. So therefore, you know, they can also try to erase part three, find a way to do that without yes. erasing part two. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Just have him have, do an adventure between the two movies. And that didn't happen. They, they, no. I, they just spent too much time with the origin story again. I was like, we've seen all of this. Yeah, Mark Sheen is great. Sally Field is great. They made him a little bit different. But you're still watching the same origin, and I, I was not happy. The first half hour of the movie, I was like, this is a waste of money and time. Plus, honestly, as far as it goes, I mean, it did show better chemistry between him and Gwen Stacy. That was awesome. Right. Well, the Gwen Stacy, Emma Stone is absolutely fantastic in that first movie. And um, the lizard is a great villain, right? Reese Efans? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, yeah, Reese Efans. Uh, really great. Lizard looked amazing. And uh, I have to say, Dennis Leary, uh, when I heard he was going to be in it, I was like, what? But That did throw me off. He is great it in the movie. Yeah, it was. He was very, yeah, you know, he was, you know, he was very serious. He really knuckled down. And yeah, he was a hard ass. It's like, gosh, that's just that kind of how his comedy is. Right. But, you know, the serious hard ass, not the funny one. So, yeah, the problem. With the first one, it's just, it repeats the thing, you know, it's too long. But I think people lot did, did not give it a chance. When they heard it was a reboot, they're like, well, no, I just, we just saw the first one not that long ago, you know, it's it was... Yeah, but, 11 years ago. Yeah, but a lot of people didn't have a problem with Batman and Robin and being rebooted with Batman Begins, and that was only eight years apart. So I yeah. don't understand why there was so much backlash. Um Mind Batman you. Begins was the best Batman movie yeah. so far, and then Dark Knight came out, and that's the be- that's the Empire Strikes Back of that trilogy, right? But the Spider-Man series has been a mess because three wasn't very good. Uh, the first one, the reboot, did just spent too much time on the same thing, and then they they made the same exact mistake on Amazing Spider-Man two that they did with three. They overloaded it with too many characters. Well, I mean, as far as the part of Rhino, I mean that's that's literally just. That was just a small stepping stone That's true. to Sinister Six. And then it was just Electro and Green Goblin. Yeah, why have Green Goblin again, though? I just don't understand. Because he's, you know, people want to see him redone. I guess they weren't happy with what Willem Dafoe was. And I then guess. making it hairy immediately and then just killing off, you know, Norman Osborn was, was a bit of a was a bit of a, a surprise. Now, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. I just say it's not as good as uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1. You know, I was kind of hoping that every time they reboot this, maybe they'll just change the title. Like, will the next Spider-Man be Spectacular Spider-Man? Will it be Peter Parker Spider-Man? I'm just wondering. Sensational Spider-Man? I know. I mean, it was always, for me, the title was always just The Amazing Spider-Man. That's how it was, originally was. You know what's funny? Is we, really how... didn't, we, we just watched that. We just watched that whole episode, the 1994 version. Yours is done, right? I'm done. Oh, yeah. Mine's done, too. <laughs> uh, we didn't really talk about it. But this is the one that really got things going for Spider-Man because the car- the cartoon just kept going and going and going. It's the most successful of the series, 65 episodes. And, yeah. you know, the toys were everywhere. I mean, they really oh, merchandised yeah. the snot out of this. We had a lo- they- yeah, we had way too many toys. <laughs> yeah, so it was the one that really just... It's not just about Spider-Man, though. It's about introducing people to these smaller characters. I mean, you know, Daredevil wasn't that popular, and, you know, the Falcon, and a lot of the lower villains. Like you said, Morbius. Who put Morbius in anything? He's such a, he's like a D-grade. He's not a bad character, but no one's really ever given him a fair shot. Right. And what this one actually did, I mean, it really made me, honestly, 
I think I knew of Morbius when I played Maximum Carnage before I actually saw him in the cartoon. Yeah, I would say so of, they... of the cartoon series, I know a lot of people are nostalgic for the 80s version, but it was only 24 episodes. We really didn't dig into the mythology. What you really need right. to start off with is this one right here. Right. Also, what I thought was great that they did like within the cartoon, like you know, adding him in Secret Wars, but they did that later. And and the Secret Wars, that's when Spider-Man found the black suit. Right. It wasn't a, it wasn't from a meteorite that J. Jonah Jameson's son found on the moon. No. Um. Yeah. I, the funny thing is, I had uh, the Secret Wars line was the first like real full on smaller figures. They were always doing the Megos. I don't know if you know what Megos are, but they're the big heavy. They're the ones you always see like in um, uh, Robot Chicken. They used the Megos. They were big, heavy, plastic toys. And I had a bunch oh, yeah. of those. But Secret Wars was the first one to make them G.I. Joe size. And they had these cool shields that had like these holograms. And you'd move them, and they would change imagery. And mm -hmm. it was the first one to ever do the Black Spider-Man. And I had it. I also had Daredevil, Captain America, a couple of characters like Kang. And I didn't know that they were going to be worth a fortune. And I sold them off for like nothing. When you're a kid, you don't yeah. know. You don't think about these kind of things. And no one had really, like, tapped that market of, like, collectible toys. I'm just bummed. Yeah, I know. Me either. I just wanted to play that. I just wanted to play with them all the time. <laughs> yeah, do you still have I, I, sitting have, around? Maybe. I may have something. I don't know. I know I have a Gambit. A tall Gambit. I have a tall Daredevil. I think I have a Daredevil. And Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but Somewhere I meant, I meant like, from that 90s period, do you still have a few? Because I don't have any toys when I was a kid. I have a few that I bought, like, in the last 15 years, but not really. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Yeah, I just still have a, I just have a few of those somewhere. <laughs> All right, so I think we just hit a new record. This
clicking. I miss it so it just feels so wonderful. <laughs> All right, oh, so sure. this episode, this episode, um, I chose. Usually, I let uh, Jacob program. But I think for a little bit, I'm going to choose. And um, this one, actually, I think we're going to do for a while. We're going to talk about the Incredible Hulk because there's more than one animated series. We can talk about the comics. We can talk about the movies. And it's going to be backed up by a double feature with Savage Dragon. A long-lasting comic book, short-lived animated series. Doesn't mean it's not very good. It was actually pretty awesome. Jacob, you saw it for the first time, correct? Oh, God, yes. I loved it. All right, well, so... I mean, I would... Go ahead. Well, I would watch it, like, on, you know, USA after, you know, Iron Man was on. Sometimes it would appear after Fantastic Four. I'd still watch it, and I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty cool. You know, I mean, it's a giant cop with a friggin' fin on his head. But then, like, watching it now... I'm like, what? Well, dang, dude. I'm, it reminds me of Dick Tracy and Hulk mixed. Oh, I, it also had kind of like a, a tough cop. I mean, just uh, it kind of had like, um, you know how the way cop movies were, like the Renegade Cop of the late 80s, early 90s, like a little bit of like Lethal Weapon or John McClane. It had oh, a little yeah. bit of that thrown in, too. But before we discuss yeah, no. too much of Savage Dragon, we're first going to discuss Incredible Hulk. So uh, what we do is we kind of watch an episode. We discuss it as it's playing along. Sometimes we don't make it through the whole episode. Sometimes we make it through the whole thing. And I imagine we're going to make it through the whole Incredible Hulk episode, because we have plenty to talk about. You'll find it up on YouTube. The episode is called Return of the Beast. It's the first episode of the 96-97 series. So we're going to go ahead and hit play now. All right. Oh, everything's 
Everything starts out so peaceful. Oh, birds flying, cows parting, beautiful blue skies. Oh, this must be some part of Hulk's mind that tries to keep himself calm. Yeah, you know, um... Go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, here we are. Well, we're, we're guessing this is Betty, and that, of course, is Bruce Banner. I mean, who else, you know, wears glasses like that and stays a girl like that? Oh, Daddy's got to always intervene. So, the 96, 97 series is probably the one that you're more familiar with than the one that I was raised on, the 82-83 the series, right? Is this one that you regularly right. watched? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't I really watch this one that much. I probably saw about a handful of episodes. This is when there was, like... I think there's three animated series from Marvel coming out at this time. I think um, X-Men had ended. I think Spider-Man was just wrapping it up. And then the Hulk, Fantastic Four, and Iron Man all premiered really close together. The other two were on CBS, but the Hulk was on Fox, which is where the X-Men found their home. And right. um, I, I really don't remember much about this series. Because I think I watched a lot of Iron Man, but I don't remember watching this one very much. Oh, man. Honestly. Oh, they also had Ghost Rider. There was a Ghost Rider cartoon? Really? Yeah, there was, and I think Hulk Hulk would have a guest appearance on Fantastic Four and this one. That's crazy. Mm. I didn't I didn't know they ever made a Ghost Rider cartoon. I have to look that up. Yeah, I know. I only remember seeing a few episodes of it, but you know, I wasn't into him as much as I was then, as I am now. Right. Yeah, but I will say I will say about Hulk, I think it really does capture like you know, the, the depth of Bruce Banner and his constant struggle with the Hulk. It, it, it did kind of feel like watching the movie. I would say uh, so for me. Uh, I started reading based, uh, well, I, I, hold on. The thing that got me reading in the first place was the fact that my mom got me a subscription to Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. And it was because I had seen the original series. It was Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and then this series, and it really got me interested. And she goes, you know, it comes from a comic book. And I'm like, what's a comic book? And so she got me a year subscription to both. Uh, I don't recall whether or not I kept going with the Incredible Hulk because it was more sophisticated than my five-year-old brain could probably handle. Uh, I did I did sign up for Spider-Man. I think I read Spider-Man from about issue 211. It's where Sandman and Hydra-Man form into one giant beast. That might actually be 218, but whatever. I read that until about, I would say, 375. That's the longest commitment I've had to anything in my entire life. Wow. Dang, man, that is. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, most comic books yeah, I felt like I read for a long time. It turns out it was only like two years at best. I'm like, oh, all right. Oh, also, Marvel also did a Silver Surfer cartoon as well. Well, I don't remember any of these. I remember the Silver Surfer game for Nintendo that sucked horribly. When were these? Were these all the same time? Uh, yeah, this is all around like the same time, yeah. Wow, I don't remember, I remember any of that. I remember Silver, Silver Surfer, I remember being on Fox. And it might still be on Netflix. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, totally. You know what's funny is I look at a lot of the Marvel characters. They all had like, it's not like every bad guy has some sort of J. Jonah Jameson look. You know, they all had the mustache and the flat top. And there's a lot of weird mustaches going on, period, throughout the whole Marvel Universe for a long time. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they all do. I mean, in him, here you have, he has that look. A Savage Dragon, that editor that tries to demean, demean of course, the title character. He has that same look, but different color. It's just odd. I just noticed there's so many rampant mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the first series from 82-83, it only lasted for 13 episodes, and it was part of the Spider-Man and Amazing Friends hours, which, I, if I remember correctly, the first season of Spider-Man did not have the Amazing Friends. I think it was just him solo, and then it was the next season where they added Iceman and Firestar, and that's the one that I think most people know is that, that version. Yeah. 
No, I mean, plus, you know, Iceman himself came from X-Men, so... Right, and Firestar was solely created for the series. I always wondered, and I should probably look this up, and I want to do that cartoon sometime, how it is they uh, decided to go with Firestar, a brand new creation, when there were so many Marvel characters they could have chose, like Dazzler, or Marvel Girl, or someone, you know? And then they didn't go that path. Maybe the whole Fire and Ice, you know, eating maybe, yeah, maybe thing. that's just, it, maybe it's too obvious. Maybe I just didn't see that right in front of my eyes. Who knows? You did. You had a valid point in asking that question, but I will say, as far as Firestar, oh, she ended up joining the New Warriors. Yeah, I remember that, and then she became an Avenger for a while. But man, the New Warriors—that was a great series. Mark Bagley did a, a fantastic job designing those characters. I know, and it really appealed to like you know, you know, to like urban, to like you know, urban city kid fans. Oh yeah, because they had Night Thrasher, which is an unfortunate name because Night Thrasher sounds like you're knocking your nuts around. Yeah. Oh, it sounds painful to see the <laughs> yeah. Oh, they also. I think one of the ones I remember most was Speedball. Oh, definitely. And he, and he was in um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance two, but he ended up becoming Pendant after that. Yeah, that was a big change to that character, though. And the New Warriors were kind of they keep trying to relaunch it, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Some Marvel characters stick around forever and a day, like the Hulk will never disappear. But there's some characters they're just of the moment, and it's kind of a shame. Why do you right. think it is that the Hulk has lasted so long? Oh gosh, I don't know, mainly because it's a Stan Lee creation, and it's and it is kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde concept. Yeah, and I think I think kids. I mean, it sounds like it's boiling down to, you know, the most basics. But I think kids just love the idea of re releasing that aggression and just smashing stuff. Yeah, you got to vent. You can't keep it locked in. But at the same time, right here, as you can tell, you know, Hulk's been like, like as far as the plot goes, you know, Bruce Banner and Hulk have been in hiding for so long. Everything's going all right. And, of course, General Ross comes and finds him and just fucks shit up again. Like, God, blame the military. Don't blame the Hulk. Don't fuck with him. You know not to fuck with him. You know what's funny? <laughs> is there's actually three... Uh, well, actually, I think... There, isn't there another one? A new animated series for the Hulk recently? Or is it it's coming out? Uh, yeah, I think it was on Disney XD. Okay. Well, I, I haven't watched that one at all. But there was a 60s series where it was, like, really cheap, you know, just the lips move, and there's a very limited, oh. very, very limited <laughs> animation. Just like the old Spider-Man cartoon? Yeah, and... Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. And Captain America. Right, so they, they did that one first, and they have the whole uh, origin story. And then in the 80s, the, the series that I started with, it's very similar in tone, and it does their origin. Now, here's the thing with this series, is they don't waste any time building the origin. They just jump right into it, which is a great idea, especially if you were a fan of the previous series. They kind of line up with each other instead of restarting again and again. Right. Kind of like, just like what they did with the first Batman movie. Right, he already exists. You don't have to sit there and waste time with the origin. Though, that's not to say that Batman Begins isn't totally amazing. Oh, yeah, no, trust me. It is, it is totally amazing. Because, you know, mainly because of Christopher Nolan. What he did with Batman, he turned it into kind of like a... Uh, gave it a realistic James Bond kind of feel. Which, right. of course, you know, being the billionaire playboy that he was and having all the money and, you know, constantly upgrading and, you know, escalating, you know, his weaponry so he can, you know be prepared to take down any enemy that comes along like always trying to step stay a step ahead yeah, the one thing, right but back to the hulk though we can talk about we should do a batman episode too i think this whole month we should just knock out some superhero cartoons oh hands down um plus i love how this captures the action of the hulk i mean right it's amazing i the purple pants though man i don't do all his pants turn out purple from some sort of radiation leak or does he really buy a lot of purple pants in the beginning like, uh, I think his pants, his pants look more burgundy. Well, I'm more used to purple. I don't know. It's hard to tell on this this computer screen, but it certainly looks 
purple. Um, yeah, yeah. But I always wondered why it is that he always seems to have the same pants. I was like, did you buy surplus at Costco? Probably. Or maybe the color is the only one he can have, you know, the only one he had available, and he has to keep dyeing him that color because he can't exactly go out. No, it would be interesting, though, if, if somehow the radiation that – are you hiccuping? Yeah, that was a slight hiccup. Don't worry okay? about it. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah. Uh, so it'd be funny if, um, you know, the green, you know, somehow the radiation when he turns into the hawk or whatever, somehow also morphed the color of his pants. That's a stupid theory, but it it made me think that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Oh, here's a little color blooper. His hair's blonde now. <laughs> anyway, you, yeah, so, you, also... Oh, there you go, yeah. You're a few seconds ahead of me. Oh, okay. Sure. Let me pause. And, okay. There we go. Yeah, it's, it's only like a two-second delay. Um, yeah. The one thing about the Hulk movies, well, actually, first we should probably say the series. Um, you know, the show was only on for four years, but it had such enduring uh, fan base that it would come back for a couple, actually three movies. Um, so the series, I think the reason the series works so much is because it's not too focused on the Hulk itself. Like, he would just show up for a few minutes here and there. The fact that they made yeah. David Banner so strong, it's so ridiculous that they didn't go by Bruce Banner. You know, You know they changed the name for the show, right? Yeah, David Bruce Banner. Do you know why they removed Bruce from him from his name? Who tell? They thought that Bruce sounded too gay. Is that you smacking your forehead? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. Bruce Wayne. I, they didn't chase that. I mean, there's tons of Bruce Campbell. No, of course Bruce Campbell was nobody at the time. But I'm just like, really? Bruce is is more gay than David? I mean, I, neither one of them is a gay name. It's also just a stupid concept. Uh, a stupid idea to even think that a name, oh, that, that sounds gay. Well, is his name Cock and Mouth Banner? No. Or, you know, ter or Terrence Banner or something like that? No. I know. It's Jesus. Like, yeah, it was just a ridiculous idea. So first off, they changed his name. But the the thing that they did was Kenneth Johnson was a great producer. Uh, he would go on to create V. Um, but the first thing he oh. did was, yeah, he did a, a fantastic job with Incredible Hawk. He also did a really good job bringing Alienation to television. Oh, Alien Nation. Isn't that the one with, uh, Jack? Was that movie, wasn't that a movie with James Caan? Yeah, but then it became a series on Fox, and they hired Kenneth Johnson to take over, and he just did a fantastic job on that one, too. Mm. Okay, um, honestly, okay, this scene right here, it's like, how, okay, there, how does one fly, just one, manage to fly around? Yeah. If you don't see any other fly in there. It's like, come on, Ross, be a little bit more suspicious. Uh -huh. Oh, and now we have the introduction of this villain, the leader. Yeah, you know what's funny is you, we were just talking about this before the episode started. Um, so we should probably get into the movies. Um, we'll, we'll skip the TV movies. We'll talk about it later. The two theatrical right. films, the first one, there are some fans of. I am not one of them. I don't get the movie. Uh, I think it's ridiculous uh, the way they played out. And those poodles, man. The stupid poodles! Oh, uh, no, there was a poodle, a pit bull, and a Rottweiler? Whatever, the whole thing just seemed like a silly concept. I just don't care for the first one. It's too mopey. The second one, man, it, it's it's not as strong with, like, subtext and characterization. But Edward Norton does a fantastic job. And the director, I don't know how to say his name, Louis Le Terrier or something like that. Yeah, it's him. He knew exactly what the movie needed from a fan point, And he got you the villains. And even though the leader isn't a major villain, he kind of just is the beginning of him. You can see the setup for the sequel with that villain. Oh, yeah, no, that's what we thought was going to happen until, you know, they just haven't done a solo Hulk movie uh, since then. I don't I don't but think they, they are. I think they're pretty much done. They're going to continue keeping him in the Avengers, which is 
almost he almost works better bouncing off of other characters in the Marvel universe instead of being by himself. I think they are. I think they might have mentioned like with their you know what Marvel has um, with their uh, you know phase three of movies. I think it might. I think Hulk might get a standalone movie soon. I don't know. They're gonna have to come up with a serious villain because um, I didn't think Nick Nolte was that great of a villain, even though they made it personal. Um, yeah, the Abomination. He, he was absorbing man. The uh, what? He was absorbing man. That's who Nick basically Nolte was. he is. The absorbing man. They don't say it, and he doesn't play the same character. But yeah, he's basically absorbing man. And yeah. uh, the villain in the second one, uh, you know, is the Abomination. Yeah, which I thought was you know perfect. It's like Hulk needs this kind of villain. You right. want to see these two guys just go at it. Now the third one. I imagine is going to be the leader, but he's more of a thinker. You know, he's got to kind of manipulate situations. I just don't know who would be a great villain for the third movie, like you know, a physical villain. Maybe Wendigo. Oh yeah, who knows? He probably creates Wendigo. Oh yes. look, here's the introduction. Yeah, that's how Hulk started out. He started out gray. You know, uh, there was there was a period in the comic books where he was gray again. It's it, the the series itself has been kind of frustrating because um, while the writing was fantastic, when you're thinking of like a marketing standpoint, you're like, what color is he this week? Oh my god, really? We have to redo the whole thing. Yeah, either you know, Gray Hulk, Red Hulk, that stuff. Yeah, um, right when I was reading it, it's when Peter David took over. Um, he started uh, like changing up the character. He had been gray, which I think was the worst period for the whole series. I thought he was boring. He was like a lot weaker and he was shorter. And he was playing a character called Mr. Fix-It in Vegas. Like, he was just a brawler in Vegas, which was the worst. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. And then all of a sudden, Peter David came on, and he goes, Whoa, we got to take this back to its roots. But he rebooted the whole idea of what the Hulk could be. He found a way to make Banner, like, the intelligence of Banner and put him in the physicality of the Hulk. Now, this Hulk didn't have the ability to get, like, super, super angry. You know how Hulk, the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets? Yeah. Uh, this was the kind of thing where he was still tough as nails, but he didn't like have that out-of-control rage thing. He was more of a thinking man. And that ran for a while, and that was my favorite run. It was really, really good. I know, it just made the Hulk seem less stupid. Yeah, he, no, he had the... Uh, he was basically Banner just trapped in the body of Hulk. And um, he didn't. He could never change back to human form, though. And, uh, damn, he was handsome. Uh, there was an artist, Dale Keown... Uh, you should check him out sometime. He did an amazing job, and he's kind of been forgotten. I don't know why, because he's absolutely top notch. Damn. And that was my riff on the comics. <laughs> I think there. I th no. I think I do remember a series where Hulk was. You know, he. Yeah. No. It was pretty much just Bruce Banner in complete control and turned into the Hulk. Yeah, and I think but uh, I, it stayed that way for a while until I think Bruce Jones came on, and then he reverted it, and and he did a fantastic job. He reverted him back to the Beast, and he turned it to more like an espionage horror title, and it was really good. Oh wow, yeah man, that was pretty good. Espionage, of course. That's what that's what like Hulk, Incredible Hulk, kind of seemed, especially when he was Bruce Banner. Yeah, you know the. And then at the end of the movie, I forgot you were saying that they were talking about doing a solo movie, and I forgot there's rumors that um, there was a series where Hulk was cast off of Earth because he was too much of a problem. So they sent him to another galaxy on this planet that was like you kind of like John Carter, Man of Mars, that kind of world. And yeah. Hulk had become their leader or whatever. And it was kind of like, you know, sword and sorcery, but Hulk was in that kind of universe. And eventually they tried Planet to... Hulk? Huh? Planet Hulk? Uh, yeah, it started, off, it started off as World War Hulk when they cast him out. And then it became Planet Hulk. And then he came back to Earth for revenge. I don't know, I thought it was a really cool, 
cool concept, and I've heard that they're trying to uh, try to bring that to the big screen. Oh, that would be fucking cool. I mean, I mean like seeing like a Conan, sword and sorcery kind of thing, but with Hulk welding a huge axe or, you know, just a giant hammer <laughs> taking out the enemy. Yeah, no, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, he'd actually be one-on-one. He'd actually go toe-to-toe with Thor. You know, I was actually thinking more of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they would bring their worlds together. And maybe possibly oh, yeah, no, finally bring Nova. I mean, the Nova that we know, not Nova Corpse. Uh, Nova and um, maybe Silver Surfer again. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the thing is, I think Fox might still have something over Silver Surfer because they're still doing the Fantastic Four. Yeah, well, have you heard of the Inhumans? That's another one we should do. Oh, yes, I've heard of the Inhumans. Black Bolt being their leader, and if he speaks, like, he'll level... Like an entire city, right? And I was thinking, you know, that's it. It'd be kind of cool if Marvel had its own like line of intergalactic movies, and the Hulk could help with that, you know, because they already have Guardians of the Galaxy. It'd be kind of cool if they expanded upon that world, because you know, only so many tales can take place on Earth. Oh yeah, no, they are. That's exactly what they're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy. It really expands the Marvel universe, and I'm pretty sure they are going to introduce Nova. And Thanos himself is the bridge between Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. Because we see Thanos at the end of Avengers, at the right, end, right, right, you know, during the end credits. Well, by the way, did I tell you I finally saw Guardians of the Galaxy? That makes me sound like a, 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 a schmuck because I'm a, a comic book fan. But I live in a town where there's only an independent theater. So you can't see anything until it comes out on video. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, and what do you think? Oh, I think I remember you saying, you know, Rocket Raccoon sounded like Jason Alexander than Bradley Cooper. Yeah, okay, we did have this conversation. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I agree with you. I mean, now hearing it, I'm like, I could not tell that was Bradley Cooper yeah. for the longest time. He did a great job. But yeah, no. But yeah, as far as in humans goes, I think uh, Vin Diesel. He kind of, he kind of slit. You know, he gave little hints at teases. It's like you know, I just something about being inhuman. So who knows? He might be playing Black Bolt. Yeah, it could be anything. There's a lot of characters in that universe he could do that could be inhuman. It's it's kind of rare. Uh that, you know, someone could keep that a complete secret because we're eventually going to find out if he got cast. It doesn't yeah. work the way it used to. When I was a kid, you didn't find out anything about a movie usually until it came out, and it's because you were, at best, you maybe heard about it a couple months before in some magazine. That was it. But now, even from day one, before even, anybody's even cast, they're already talking about, oh, well, this person's probably in negotiations. It's weird. Yeah, or just like how Tyrese Gibson's uh, in talks with being Green Lantern for Justice League. Yeah, well, when did that start? When did people start like purposely trying to get themselves cast by going to social media? Was it, um, you know, when uh, Thomas Jane tried to be jo- Jonah Hex? Oh, yeah. oh no, I don't remember that. But dang, man, he would have been a great Jonah Hex. He would have, and uh, the director said no, and then the directors got fired when they hired James uh, Josh Brolin instead, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> the movie still sucked either way. Yeah. Oh, you know, I do like how they kept Luke Ferrigno as the voice of the Hulk in the cartoon. Yeah, well, I mean, he still does the voice in the movies, too. Oh, yeah, no, I noticed that in the Incredible Hulk uh, with Ed Norton. You know, it's funny, is we, honestly, didn't, we didn't really talk about the cast, but uh, the cast is amazing. I mean, the fact that it has Neil McDonald, um, it has Luke Perry, uh, Matt Frewer. Oh, yes, Matt Frewer as the voice of leader. Yeah, I love Matt Frewer. He did some amazing stuff, and not a lot of people talk about him anymore. But there was oh, a moment yeah. where he was like kind of a rising star, but you know it's kind of a bummer that he didn't get much. But he's oh, a consistently was... working actor, so that's good. Oh yeah, I mean I, lo- I saw him. He played Moloch in uh, Watchmen, and he was also in uh, Dawn of the Dead with Zack Snyder as well. Right. Who knows? He might he might get a bit part in uh, <clears throat> Batman vs Superman or Justice League. Never know, especially if they're uh-huh. shot in Canada. I think that's where he sticks primarily is around Vancouver, Toronto area. All right, so that's uh, the end of that episode, and I think 
Is there anything else? Because we could talk about Hulk for a while, but do you think we kind of covered everything? Uh, I do want to say this. Mark Ruffalo, I think, is the perfect Bruce Banner is, now. You know, it's, it's like you read my mind. I was going to ask you who you thought the best was. I mean, Edward Norton did a fantastic job, but Mark Ruffalo just got it down. I know. I mean, he is, he's a fantastic actor. I mean, have you seen him in The Kids Are All Right and The Normal Heart? It's like, wow, man, this guy really does. This guy's great. And he's a, a wonderful humanitarian, too. He's uh, allied with, he, um, he really endorses Food and Water Watch. Which, what of course, is that? You know, it's kind of like, you know, um, anti-Monsanto organization, making sure everything stays clean, anti-pollution, you know, very environmental. Well, that's cool. All right, so we're going to take a brief commercial break. Not really. I'm just going to pause it for a second so we can set up Savage Dragon. Chicago. Ordinary cops were losing the battle. The criminal mastermind called Overlord and the super freaks held our city in their terrifying grip. Then a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. So that was the introduction to Savage Dragon. It's a, a lot less, um, I would say it's more moody than the Incredible Hawker. You're kind of standard opening for a cartoon. They're usually like in your face. And that one was kind of like, kind of low-key, moody, set the tone for kind of a more serious cartoon. Oh, yeah, but then you start to watch it. It does, it does have its humor, mainly yeah. coming from the main title character. Okay, so the very first episode, this is not on DVD. So we, we feel no guilt in watching this on YouTube, that's for sure. So the first episode is called RSVP. It's up on YouTube, and we'll give you a couple seconds to find it. And press play. All right. All right, so you said you have seen this. You watched it when you were younger. Yeah, I did. I watched a few episodes. I, did. I had no idea what it was about. I mean, it was kind of hard to go along with or follow a plot as a child because you're like, oh, cool, cartoon, action, fight. Yeah, the cartoon's oh, yeah. a lot. It's pretty dense, especially the, the comic book's really dense with characters. There's so many going on. The first episode, it kind of jumps in, and you're like, there's a thousand villains already. They do have the origin story yeah. halfway through the cartoon, a little bit of it, but it was very unusual for a cartoon just to jump right into the action immediately. I mean, there's no even, there's yeah. no buildup whatsoever, just go. I think this this also looks like the same kind of animation that handled the Double Dragon cartoon. Um, I can look that up. It was the same company. It was USA, and uh, they did have a few cartoons during their Saturday morning run, and this was one of them. I believe it was 1995. When this premiered with Wildcats and Double Dragon and stuff like that, they didn't last very long, though. Yeah, Wildcats. Um, I, I noticed like with the main one of the main characters was Grifter, uh, who's now a DC character. Yeah, um, Jim Lee. When Part he started working for DC, he sold the rights to all the characters he created, including Grifter, over to DC Comics. That guy's head reminds me of John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what that monster was based off of. That is freaky. So how, what did you see Grifter in? I didn't know that he was now in their universe. Yeah, um, I saw Grifter in the Flashpoint Paradox. So does that, uh, did they bring the universes together with that storyline? I've been behind on comics severely. I think they just brought in uh, Grifter for all I know. Oh, 
Yeah, 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 he was the best character. Right. And he also, uh, I think he's now part of Red Hood and the Outlaws. No, that's cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. I guess the hood goes with it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they're both wearing red. I mean, yeah, the eyes kind of make him look a little bit like Deadpool, but eh, I just don't think he really is Deadpool. I mean, because he's not funny. And, yeah, and no, his no, own... no, he's pretty serious. Yep. He, he had a series for a while with Image Comics, like his own solo series, and it was pretty damn good. I really enjoyed it. It only lasted, I think, about 30 issues, but, uh, you know, for independent comics back then, you know, they're putting out their own money, so it's not a huge seller. There's really nobody backing it, so if they're not making a huge profit... You know they're gonna they're gonna yeah. cut their losses. Mm-hmm. But now DC's behind it, so I think it's it's still continuing. Yeah, at least with outlaws. All right, so uh, okay. Savage Dragon was created by Eric Larson, who I first saw when he joined. Um, Todd McFarlane had quit Amazing Spider-Man, and they had given him the opportunity to launch his own Spider-Man comic book. So they were looking for an artist to fill in for him. So they did a couple issues with Eric Larson. And he just nailed it. And he just ended up doing the series, I think, probably for about two years. And then he jumped ship and joined uh, Image Comics. He's one of the founders of Image Comics. So there's like five or six guys that ditched Marvel all at once and went and started their own label. And Eric Larson's, um, I think, the only one still with the company. He still runs Savage Dragon. He just did his 200th episode. But he's the only artist, the only writer on the series for the entire run. Isn't that amazing? Good to know. Twenty-two. I mean, yeah, this this character does deserve that kind of credit. I mean, it's it's great. The only part is, is that you know now it's at its two hundredth issue, and people have very short attention span when it comes to independent comics. And I think it's like on its last legs. I think it only he only makes like maybe a couple thousand uh, of the, each issue. Yeah, here he is. Yeah, you know, typical badass hero cop, kind of like John McClane and Dick Tracy, but Hulk. But mixed with Hulk. You're right. And some people gave him grief because they're saying he was a ripoff of the Hulk. But it's just the color green. It's just the color green. And it's not like there aren't it's other green superheroes. Too. Most dragons are green. Jeez, let's not discriminate here. Yeah, Eric Larson got into <laughs> a war with Peter David over the fact that he said that he was derivative of the Hulk. And it's just like, dude, it's just the fact that he's green and muscly. But their characters couldn't be anywhere near each other. They're so different. I know, it's not like everybody was saying Prime was like a juiced-up version of Superman. Right. But plus, as far as Savage Dragon goes, and I think, it, I mean, at first his fin, I thought he was more like of a creature from the Black Lagoon. I thought he was more aquatic. Yeah. But no, he's not. He's he's a dragon. And, you know, I'm surprised he doesn't breathe fire. Yeah, that might have been a little too obvious. I don't know. It's It's strange. He was born in fire. I mean, they find him. There was an origin story, but I can't remember it now. I read this comic up until about issue, I want to say, 70, and I just I stopped buying comics for a while just because of budgetary reasons, and I never got back into it. I felt kind of bad because I was so loyal to it, and then I just dumped it. But I oh, appara- wow. apparently Savage Dragon is dead now, and his son has taken over. Savage Dragon dead? Yeah, no. so I'm pretty sure he's dead, oh. and uh, now his son is the Savage Dragon. Oh, wow, he has a son? With who? With not you know his partner. I don't know. I'm so far behind in the comic, it's ridiculous. I haven't... Nope, I, I couldn't even tell you. I'd have to read like a whole guide to what's going on in his world. But there was a point where Savage Dragon was huge. I mean, it was in the top ten. And, you know, as the years went by, the problem with Image Comics is that it's completely uh, owner-owned. or That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, artist-owned instead of a corporation. And 
you know, guys like Wolf Portacio, he was not consistent whatsoever. He was really late. Jim Lee was pretty spot on. Rob Field started getting a bunch of hate, and he started getting really late. So basically, it was just uh, Eric Larson being the most consistent, and his series never ended. I mean, it's continued nonstop for all these years. And I just, it wasn't until The Walking Dead came out that Image Comics actually became a thing again because it had died off almost into nothing. Oh, yeah. You could thank Walking Dead for keeping it alive. Yeah, and Eric Larson is the head of Image Comics now. He's their, whatever, not editor-in-chief, like publisher, I guess is what I want to say, like the way Stan Lee is. And he was really smart in holding on to the creator of Walking Dead. He said, you come over here, don't play around with Marvel, don't play around with DC, come to our house, you get to do whatever you want. You get to cre- create like this whole world of great comics. Okay, real quick though, why is there always a spider-based villain in stuff like this? This freaking terrifies me. Actually, you know what, there's a spider-villain, like it seems like every big, I mean, Hobbit, Harry Potter, um... You know, in pretty I think mainly Hobbit. What's that? I think it was mainly Hobbit that started that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Spiders are gross, man. I can't do it. Ugh. They are. Okay, yeah, I want to say about the voice casting for Savage Dragon. Oh my god, I, I, I recognize that guy's voice in almost every single cartoon. He'd always play like you know, like a side villain or something like that, or a supporting character. But yeah. now he's playing his own main character. Uh, Jim Cummings, you he did a bunch of voice i think he did animaniacs he was a big voice on that you know they got mark hamill like usual michael dorn renee Aberjanis, rob paulson peter cullen you know a lot of these guys they pretty much did every cartoon around that time yeah oh, jim no. cummings did darkwing duck that's right yeah that's right oh yeah he was also that's right i knew his voice was familiar i knew he did something else and also um as far as jim cummings goes yeah i remember him being in uh hercules he played the uh oh god the centaur the River Guardian. That's weird. I'm looking at this here. Did you know that episode 21 of this series was a four-part crossover with Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Wing Commander? So, in a weird way, all four of those characters exist in the same world. That means Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat exist in the same world. Why were the Street Fighters ever involved in the tournament? I, I don't know. This is crazy, though. Probably because they were, were they not cool enough. I mean, they were pretty cool enough. They had some mystic shit. Okay, now I want to say that the concept for uh, Overlord right here, it's like you definitely tell like a samurai, you know, robotic. You know, as much as I as I love the comic book and I really loved what Eric Larson did with them, it's hard to ignore that a lot of his characters seem like other characters. Now, it's by the time the '90s rolled around, that is really really hard to do to make someone completely fresh looking and you know character. I mean, he basically is Doctor Doom meets Splinter. You mean Shredder. Shredder. I don't know why. Sorry I did that. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, don't, you're not insulting anybody. Hey, you still you still least no no you still at least remember the names. And you still hold true to the you know Right. You know what's funny is um the Savage Dragon thing, Eric Larson did one thing that no one else was doing in comics at that time. He refused to follow the rules of no one can really die, and if they die they come back. And with the exception of Savage Dragon, I think Savage Dragon died once and he came back after having a, uh, an argument with God. And God said he basically kicked his ass out because he was annoying the crap out of him. <laughs> um, no character was sacred in Savage Dragon. People died left and right. You never knew who was safe, which was groundbreaking at the time. Cause, and even today, that's really only done oh, with yeah. Walking Dead. Um, but I remember the Overlord was killed like in issue 24. And you're like, hold on, the big bad is dead already? 
And later someone else would get the armor and they would go into it, but um, he would just do that. He would take characters out. No mercy. It was a very violent yeah, no. comic. That's just like what they do with Game of the uh, Game of Thrones series, the Song of I- Fire and Ice. You want to know how Overlord was taken out? What? Bullet in the mouth. Oh, dang. He used a gun. Yep. Savage Dragon just, it. he was like, you're talking too much. And he just shot him right in the mouth and went through the back of his head. That's <laughs> hilarious. Cool. I mean, that's twisted, but I mean, it's just the fact that he had the balls to just go, oh, you know what? There, right there. There's, there's the opening. Boom. Damn. And, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I thought he would have crushed his head with his, you know, bare hands. No, you should. You know, you should okay. They put the comic book in a trade paperback form. You should get the initial run, the miniseries that they had where it tells his whole origin and, you know, the first adventures he goes on. It's it's pretty cheap. You can find it on Amazon. Oh, good to know. Yeah. yeah I do you want to say I'm, Go ahead. about this, about uh, this character um, that's big publisher, you know, whose building name is R. Richards. Like, is that a tribute to Reed Richards? <laughs> it may be. It may be. Yeah. But no, this, plus this guy does look like J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, he's got the hair and all that, and he acts like J. Jonah Jameson, trying to discredit Savage Dragon, make him look like a bad guy just because he's a mutant. Yeah. Very discriminatory. Shows diversity. There was talk of, um, after the cartoon ended, there was talk for a while of a movie, and in fact it was optioned for a few years, and uh, they were talking about Bruce Willis being Savage Dragon. Now, these days I would say Dwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah, you have to say Dwayne Johnson now. Bruce Willis got too old. Well, he Bruce Willis was old. never the right size either. Yeah. But yeah, no, Dwayne Johnson will be perfect. And I'm glad he's been cast as Black Adam. But you need to find someone equally physical right. as, you know, Black Adam <clears throat> to play Shazam. By the way, did you yeah, see they, Hercules? I thought it was pretty good. Uh, No, The Legend of Hercules? Uh, no, 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 it, no. It, it, From what I heard, I think it's like the one of the best renditions of Hercules. It's about, you know, the 12 labors and such and fighting against the gods. Well, there's two Hercules movies out in the same year. There's Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz, which is pretty which is crappy. A piece of shit. Yeah, and then there's the Hercules here with The Rock, and I just watched it. And I don't really think it's about the Twelve Labors. It's uh, it's it's like post the Twelve Labors after he's been announced as this huge hero, or whatever. And um, a lot of what you think about the Legend of Hercules isn't exactly what it, it kind of plays with the reality of what we think of Hercules. It's really smart. And yes, people give Brett Ratner a huge load of crap for everything that he's ever done, but it's a pretty good movie. And the best part is the fact that Dwayne Johnson has a, a whole crew that he works with. He has like a team. And he's pretty giving. You know, a lot of stars are pretty selfish and they won't share the screen with anybody else. And he does a great job with that. Good. And as, plus, as far as Brett Ratner's goes, I only give Brett Ratner crap for X-Men The Last Stand. I mean, it's good, but there are, there, yeah, there are some things that are problematic with it, but what he did, I mean, he came in at the very last minute. Yeah, because Brian Singer was doing Superman Returns. Uh, well, he quit, and then they hired, um, crap, who directed Kick-Ass again? Matthew Vaughn? Yeah. Matthew Vaughn was actually hired, and they were just weeks away from production, like, I think, like, two weeks, and he quit and went and did, um, that movie with Claire Danes, the camera of Stardust. Yeah. So he that's did right. that, and then Fox is like, "Oh crap, we have a we have a go, we have a go right now. We have to start filming. Who are we gonna get?" And so they got Brian, uh, crap, or Brett Ratner. They got Brett Ratner, and he only could do what he could do in such a short period of time. I still regret the fact that he barely used Angel, but maybe he just didn't have the time to rewrite the script. No, of course not. Angel, and plus you got to blame the script writers. It's like, come on, Zach Penn, you guys could have done better. And where was David Hayter? 
Come on. I don't, know, I don't know what was going on. Boy, there's so many lines. Well, even Joss Whedon dropped the ball in the first X-Men. That line that he goes, uh, Storm goes, oh, you know what happens to Toads and the hit by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. I'm like, that sucks. That was horrible. That was stupid. You know, David, I mean, I'm pretty sure that wasn't David Hayter. David Hayter, I think he had more to do with the, wait, no, he did do the screenplay for the first X-Men. I know there's a lot of people who wrote on the first X-Men. I think there's like eight or nine writers, but only one or two people got credit for it. Yeah, David Hayter. I didn't think David Hayter was involved in the first one. I have to look that up. But back to yeah, the Savage was. Dragon. Um, do you think the Savage Dragon today would be done with makeup, or would they go CG? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, look what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. That was all makeup. They shouldn't go CG. They should just go with makeup. Give it real authenticity. Actually, so it seems real. What about Maybe. Dave Bautista? Do you think he has the chops to do Savage Dragon? I think so, yeah. I mean, he was great as Drax, but... Then again, people are going to conflict. It's like, oh, he was already dragged. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, it, it's hard to find a guy big enough that can also act. And the fact that it's Savage Dragon, he needs to have a sharp wit. Oh, yeah. You know, you see someone who has like that kind of witty voice. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Willis definitely had that. Of course, you, you, you know, know, technically they could still do it with Bruce Willis if they did it all CGI. They just put the stuff on his face and then just, trans, you know, just transplant that imagery over. But at the same right. time, Bruce Willis is so lazy that I just think, you know, if you're going to be a lazy actor and you're not going to bother helping the studio promote and you're going to barely do your performance and even when you do your performance, you're extremely difficult with every director you come in contact with, do you deserve a career? I mean, he should hang it up. Does he not have enough money? It's embarrassing. I don't know. I wish he cared again. And, and, and he keeps saying he doesn't want to do any more action movies, yet he keeps doing action movies. Why doesn't he just save his money and go do something else? Unless he yeah, lost I mean, his butt on like something. Yeah, like Red 2 and that terrible uh, Live Free or Die Hard movie. No, not Live Free or Die Hard. It's the one after that. A Good Day to Die Hard. Or did you not like Live Free? Hard. I was going to say, good, the one in Russia is the terrible one. Yeah, it is. That's the one I didn't like. Yeah, and Red 2, he, he's barely there, even though it's not that bad of a movie. And it's just everything afterwards is oh. embarrassing. So if I were to hear that he was going to be Savage Dragon tomorrow, I would say the performance is going to be half half done. Yeah, it is. Okay, honestly, how did Overlord survive that? Like, was it, was it was he, like, dropped into the water? What is it? Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. I was staring off into the distance talking about <laughs> Bruce Willis. What happened? Oh, uh, you know, so basically he knocks down Overlord. He saves his... Uh, he, saves his friends, and then he opens the RSVP letter from Overlord. And now, yeah, here's the new studio. Yep, there's J. Jonah Jameson. Why, why did they have to make him black? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, now they're trying to make him look stupid. Well, he'll grow skinny there. You know what's funny is, um, yeah. I feel like I should go back and grab the series, because I'm sure Eric Larson is still busting his butt putting out a great comic. It's just, you know, fads die out, image isn't that high level of a label anymore. And, you know, like I said, short-sighted with independent comics. Like, it's funny that um, certain characters that aren't even that popular constantly pop up. I don't know anybody who ever read Moon Knight. Even though there's nothing really wrong with Moon Knight, it wasn't really, like, a big comic. Yet, it keeps coming back over and over and selling. And how it is that Savage Dragon, it's just no one reads it anymore. And um, it's just kind of disappointing. I don't know. Like I said, everything is just either DC or Marvel now. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, almost every character has been either completely shut down or sold to another company. And you know, what's weird is I think Wildcats is the only thing that went to a major label because I don't recall whether Supreme ever went to someone. Um, a blood. Well, God, I can't even remember the characters now. I can't even remember what Rob LaField created. You know, Rob LaField is the co-creator of Deadpool and Cable, and he created right. another series. That was a bunch of nonsense. 
and it was really hot at the time. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, but it was all part of this whole world. Let me look that right. up. Right, we're kind of dragging a uh, butt here, so I guess we should probably wrap it up. We'll talk about this off the air, and I'm sure someone's like losing their mind over the fact that I know what he made. I know what he made. Probably. Oh, it's Young Blood. Yeah, Young Blood was uh, it was basically X Men or New Mutants, and it was really popular for a short period of time, and then it just stunk up the joint. All right, so I guess that's oh, yeah. it here. Sorry, we're meandering. Um, I think it's funny sometimes we get to the end of our episodes and we're just kind of petering out like. Brrr. You're just getting up, and I'm just getting ready to go to bed. Kind of weird. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, so dude, I guess that's it for us here. I think I'm going to close it off with the theme from the 1996 Incredible Hulk series because I ignored it the first time around, and I'm pretty sure it's a good score. What do you think? Oh, the 1996 series? Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty dark. I will say that. Yeah, you know, it was more sophisticated than a lot of cartoons going on at the time, but, you know, I think Batman... Like we mentioned this almost every cartoon, Batman kind of set the tone for maturity in comic books. And of course, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think um, a lot of those guys followed suit. I think it was probably the Hulk and Spider-Man that really started like going, hey, you know what? We should really dig into our catalog of characters and start giving them a rich history. Um, a lot of them, they just kind of ignored and just would bring in generic villains or the same villains over and over. Right. All right, so here we go with the final one. And... Um, I think next time we should do Spider-Man and maybe throw something else similar to Spider-Man in. What, what do you think is similar to Spider-Man? Um, what was similar to Spider-Man? There was X-Men. Uh... We, should, we should do X-Men and Wildcats. And then maybe mm, Spawn? Spawn even? Nah. Hmm. Let's think oh, about Spawn, that. Oh, Spawn to adult. Yeah, it's to adult? Okay. Oh, that I watched it when I was a kid. It was, pre- I, I thought it was pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, so another thing about... Oh gosh, no, Fantastic Four. We should also do Fantastic Four. I have long-term amnesia, but they say that is normal. I'm totally advanced, so I try to stay humble. Have subsonic hearing, so don't talk so loud. Bring villains to justice as I have bowed. I'm bionic.
I can't remember. Boo-dee, <laughs> boo-dee, boo. Oh, it was Because then Donald's the one that wore the big, Donald wore the big uh, face cover hat thing. Yes, he did. Mushmouth is the well, obviously the one with the mushmouth. Yes, sadly, the one with the speech impediment. Damn fool. All right, so the first one we're discussing is the 1994 series Iron Man. Here's the weird thing. We usually try to find the episode for you, so you don't have to go hunt it down. We found a block of it on YouTube. It's the entire series, or first season. The entire first season, it's that weird new trend of where they show in that little box and has art around it, which drives us nuts. But it's free, so I guess we're not complaining too much. True. All right, so the first episode, go ahead and hit play now, and we'll discuss it. Oh, it's like yes. The, well, the opening. Well, the opening title was from uh, the opening intro for season two. This is, of course, the one they started off with at first. Right. This one's a little more generic. Uh, yeah. Before. A little bit more awesome. And before he decided to grow his hair out. Yeah. Uh, honestly, for the longest time as a kid growing up and watching these cartoons and looking at Iron Man, I, you know, I thought that was like his main, you know, that was his main. That was the main mode of transporting the, uh, you know, his Iron Man suit. What, through the suitcase? Yeah. yeah. For a very long time, it was that way. And it's been, just been modified over the years, especially with the extremists uh, taking over his body and changing things. Uh, so, yeah, it's modified oh. over the years. Of course, he's had a thousand different armors. It's ridiculous. It used to be that he stuck with one for a really long time, and then uh, people get kind of bored, and they would move on to the next kind. You know, it, his, his armor would last like 60, 70 issues. Now it's like every five... Epi- uh, every five... Uh, issues that someone else comes in to draw it and they're like well we're gonna change the art i want the art to look in my style so we're gonna change the armor which makes um tony stark look kind of mentally ill like he just has i i can't stick with anything i gotta have new 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 i gotta keep making more robots it's the only yeah it's the only thing that gets him going but gosh pepper is just like tony i've been up here waiting all night i made dinner for us well i hired someone to make dinner for us because we're so rich (laughs) Uh, so the armor yeah. basically breaks down like this. There's the silver armor, or the gray generic armor that you see in the first movie. Well, that was that way for like the first few appearances of Iron Man. Then he painted them full gold. And then it wasn't until, oh, I don't know, I think we're about a dozen issues in before it became the classic red and gold. But it, that would get modified here and there. Like the armor looked a little bit more sleeker, a little more muscle-toned. And then uh, there's a, a series of Iron Man that I truly enjoyed called The Armor Wars, where someone stole his technology, and it went off to all these other like armored warriors. And there was an yeah. issue where I think he's taking on the Crimson Dynamo. Yes, Crimson he, Dynamo. Yeah, he accidentally kills him. And then the military comes after Iron Man, wanting him arrested, and then um, Tony Stark fakes his death. But the armor at that time is the one that I know the most because that's right when I first started reading Iron Man is the silver and red, which not a lot of people seem to remember. The silver centurion. It, it looked great. I love the silver and red, and uh, it's kind of been forgotten. Yeah, I mean, it had a brief appearance in Iron Man 3 with all the other Iron Man suits. But yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that was about it. It then, didn't really have anything other than that. The one, the suit that we're looking at right now is... So Tony Stark faked his death, and then Rhodey took over for a while, and then Iron Man came back. And when Iron Man came back, he had this suit. And this one stuck around for a really long time. It's till around, I think, 99, 2000, when everybody rebooted Iron Man, and uh, Wells Portatio came in and changed it, and then all of a sudden, just every week, it was a new armor. It was just yeah, honestly, for me, it was a... Oh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, for me, it was always just been, you know, the classic red and gold. And, uh, like, this this design in particular. And there was no, like, special under 
underwater armor, space armor. It was just all his suit could pretty much do everything. But then he realized that while well, this one needs to drop this, you know, this power, so gonna have stronger underwater powers. It, it seemed more of a marketing thing. Like this cartoon sold a crap ton of toys. Yeah, it did. I think my parents bought me quite a few of them. Yeah, and it's just like it's one man, but he had three hundred different looks. It's kind of like that way with Batman. You know, Batman had a ton of different like looks. Like, oh, this is the night vision one. Oh, this is the underwater one. This is the jungle one. It's like what? this is the stealth one. Yeah. yeah, this is the heavy duty construction one. Yeah, no, there was like so many different variations, and he was able to like that was like the main mode. You know, red and gold, and then it would eventually switch. Like you know, he was a command, and all of a sudden he magically forms into another one. And now, when did you first start reading comic books? Oh, um, that was about four or five. My parents would like just grab some random ones, and you know, like they, I would read Street Fighter. Of course, to me, of course, it was first the game. They would have one of Street Fighter. You know, they'd have some like Iron Man ones, like Avengers West Coast. You know, yeah. disassembling. That was one because you know it's like I already know the characters well enough, and then I'd find out the the one you know just from the ones I've seen in the cartoon, like War Machine and. <clears throat> Like uh, Spider Woman, you know Scarlet Witch, all the all the ones that help out. Uh, you know, oh, speaking of Spider Woman, hey, and yeah, like I said, like you know, just pretty much the entire West Coast Avengers. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I, from... yeah I really enjoyed the Avengers. And I was reading those a lot, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Avengers West Coast, and we're like, wait, what? You can spin off comics into other? This is possible, and that for some reason just like kicked the door open. All of a sudden, uh, you know, the X Men are getting spin off titles, Spider Man. He had two titles, and all of a sudden Webb came out of nowhere, and then his, uh, just straight up just Spider-Man. Um, everybody was just doing tons of different variations on the same name because, you know, brand recognition. It's a normal thing now, but 25, 30 years ago, it was like, no, I don't understand. How can you do this? Oh, look, and now we got character, and then now we got the villains Mandarin and MODOK. I'm not sure if MODOK... They- I'm not sure if Modoc will ever might make an appearance within, you know, the next Iron Man movie. He's ridiculous, dude. There's no way. Not like that. There's no way that giant mutant apple rotted head of his with tiny little baby legs <laughs> is ever going to show up on screen because most people who see that in live action are going to instantly throw up or poop their pants. Pretty much, yeah. It'd probably look very revolting. It's Almost like, kind of like um, oh, how Chet looked in uh, Weird Science yeah, when he was like yeah, giant yeah. turd. Oh. Something like that. Well, I think... You know that gem that Mandarin just had? I think that was an Infinity Gem. I think that I think that was eventually going to open up, you know, the whole Infinity Wars and Thanos. You are not as far as I am. I'm at 640. Where are you at? Oh, whoops. Oh, 542. Okay. You're at 542? I'll pause it while we talk for a minute. You know, the funny thing, at this point, I think a lot of these characters were dead and they just revived them for the cartoon because I used to have this thing. Uh, in 1986, to celebrate the big anniversary of Marvel Comics, like their 25 years, they did a whole series of encyclopedias. They would have the profile of the character, and then it'd be like, depending on how popular the character was, it gave you like two or three pages of their history. Now, those are interesting, but what I was more fascinated with, and I absolutely read these until they fell apart, was the Marvel Universe Book of the Dead. And it showed you every single character that ever died in the Marvel Universe. And it was like four books worth. And it would wow. tell you like their life, their powers, and how they died, and it usually showed you a picture of how they died. And as a nine-year-old or ten-year-old, that was some twisted, morbid crap right there. But I was fascinated with it. And a lot oh, of these characters, I'm looking at right now, Modok dead, uh, the Wizard, not not the Wizard, uh, Whirlwind, he was dead. And it just absolutely fascinated me that you know these characters were got dead and gone. And this is before, of course, every single 
villain and hero was brought back because god forbid anybody actually dies in a comic book oh i know yeah i mean honestly i mean for you know so like a major character or a hero dying in a comic book is just so unheard of and just traumatizing to a child but then again, hey, look what happened with, you know, Jason Todd Robin. I mean, the fans wanted him dead and they voted him off. But everybody seems to die now and they always find a way to bring him back. And I'm not talking how, like, you know, Tony Stark faked his death. Like, we knew within the next issue that he was faking it. We're talking, like, years down the road. Oh, these guys are dead as dead, you know. And, oh, well, Uncle Ben's back. What? You know, I'm sure he's back by now. I'm not, I haven't been reading Spider-Man that closely lately. Right. <clears throat> I, don't know, I remember reading one particular Spider-Man story. I think it was uh, like Ben Riley taking off after finding out, you know, that Mary Jane knows he's not Peter Parker. And then he goes off. He's like, there's this uh, incident with, a, I guess, a certain mutant or metahuman who could start fires. Not Firestar, but something else. It was very dark and gritty. Oh, gosh, I was a little kid when, it, when I read it. But yeah, no, they would have they would do stuff like that. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. It's like, you know, stuff like that was unheard of to me. Well, yeah, and comics were changing. I mean, now it's kind of normal that they're dark and gritty. I mean, there's still some light series, but... For the most part, when I first started reading them, they were intended for children. I mean, anybody over the age of 20 reading comic books, they thought they had like serious emotional or mental problems. Now it's a normal thing because comic books are treated with respect. There's another dead man. Uh, are you seeing Blizzard right now? He's the guy in the black and white suit on the ice? Yep. Okay, so we're at the same point. Uh, so he got killed too. He got killed by the future Iron Man. The, I think it was the son or nephew of Tony Stark. Who came to oh, our wow. time? It was Iron Man 2020, I think, and he came to our time, and he didn't have the restrictions on, you know, arresting them. He just flat out murdered people, and he just burnt a hole straight through Blizzard. Oh, did he use the Unibeam? You know, I can't remember. It's been so insanely long since I read it, but his weaponry was much stronger and more deadly than Iron Man's was. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of course, you know, later on, like future development after, you know. You know, progressing such advanced technology that it was, he, he could find something easily. You know, it's funny. There's, I mean, a, I, there's a storyline, uh, real quick, I want to knock out. Is uh, there was a character for about six months. They started in Captain America and went into like every single Marvel series and then ended in Captain America. It's this character called the Scourge. And he had this special, amazingly powerful shotgun slash pistol thing. And he would hunt down like these low grade, easy villains. You know, he couldn't take out Doctor Doom. But he could take out someone like, you know, the porcupine or whatever, you know, whirlwind there and uh, pump them full lead. And he would do this wearing a mask and he would look like everybody. You can never really find him because he'd look like just the guy next door or the woman next door sometimes. And every time he killed off a villain, he would say, justice is served. Now, it's weird that we treat him like a villain and Captain America had to defeat him when there's the Punisher. The Punisher does the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. Punisher. Yeah. Punisher is a straight up vigilante. Honestly... My mom would like, and dad had no problem with me reading those comics at all. They would let me read those comics. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really dark and gritty. Like this couldn't exist in the world of, you know, Avengers and Spider-Man and all that until now. <laughs> why? Okay, I missed this. The, I just watched this as a reminder. Why is he in 3D right now? Why is it shitty CGI? Uh, I don't know. I guess they were trying to do something earlier, test out early CGI. But it's just weird. Just a second ago, he was in, okay, now they're back to normal. This is bizarro. It's a weird, weird decision to make. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess at the time, yeah, it seems it seems pretty cool. He's very cheap and easy to do. Yeah. However, I will say at that part with the, um, you know, opening up the briefcase and all of a sudden it's his armor that forms up. I like how they gave that. I like how they showed that off in uh, Iron Man 2 when, you know, Mickey Rourke, Whiplash, 
decided, you know, decided to destroy everything. And then all of a sudden, oh, crap, let me get the briefcase. I thought that was really cool. I was like, oh, my God, my inner child just woke up. <laughs> of, of the three Iron Man movies, how do you rate them? I would say, um, I would say two is, uh, I don't know, like two and three are a bit debatable. Yeah, I mean, it's not John Favreau anymore. Shane Black, I thought, did a great job. And it really just showed that, you know, Iron Man is just a symbol now for Tony Stark. And that's who he is. He can't change that. I mean, even after the end of the movie, after getting, you know, his power, the power source taken out, getting all the shrapnel out, he still goes back and gets all, you know, his, you know, his tools, his toys. Because we know he's going to build another suit. Well, a lot of people lost their minds over the fact that, you know, the Mandarin wasn't the main villain, that he was a fraud. And I thought that was kind of yeah. stupid because movies are open to your interpretation. If you know the Mandarin is the villain, it doesn't surprise you what they did with such a serious twist. You're like, holy crap. Okay, okay, I was completely fine with it. I'll ride this train. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a real Mandarin. You know, he could have just been pretending. And then eventually he's going to come and hunt Ben Kingsley down and kill him. <laughs> For him no, exactly. It's like, you, it's like you pretty much, you insulted me. Pretty much. Right. I mean, as far as the, the whole concept of the Mandarin, yes, just like with Tony Stark or, you know, being Iron Man or, you know, Bruce Wayne being Batman, you know, Mandarin was just a symbol, <clears throat> you know, Pierce, someone to just take Guy up that Pierce name. Was a very, very strong villain. In fact, I think Guy Pierce is probably the best villain. Jeff Bridges was great, but it was just a one-upping, you know, oh, well, you got a suit? Well, I got a bigger suit. Uh, oh, I know. I just, I thought Mickey Rourke was, eh, you know, just generic. Whiplash is not the best villain for them to get. And Justin Hammer, I wanted to punch Sam Rockwell in the face every time he said a word. I love Sam Rockwell, so that takes a lot. I know. He, you can tell he played that character really well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, uh, especially, you know, outfitting, you know, the Mark II and turning it into War Machine. And uh, Don Cheadle was also a great upgrade oh, yeah. from uh, Terrence Howard. You know, I wonder, I've wondered if they're going to kill Tony Stark off in one of the Iron Man movies and then have... Uh, Don Cheadle step in for the role, you know? I mean, it happened in the comics. Rhodey stepped in, so why not? You think that what... Because I know uh, it's already been stated that Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be playing um, Iron Man in the next Iron Man movie. There's no talks about it. And even then, I was like, well, what if that's what they're going to do? They're going to make Don Cheadle the star and be Iron Man. Right. Well, I don't think I, I don't think there's going to be any more Iron Man movies. I think they're done. Marvel is really focused on the next generation of characters so they don't burn out a franchise. Uh, exactly. If for some reason these new things stink up the joint, like if Ant-Man bombs, if Doctor Strange bombs, they're going to go back to Iron Man, but that'll be a sad point for them. Oh, yeah, it will be. But I think, no, because I know there's talks of an Iron of a fourth Iron Man movie. Yeah, I don't think they should. If anything, it, it maybe it's time to spin off Avengers into Avengers West Coast. No, that could be pretty cool. You know, that's definitely, I know uh, that's where Hawkeye ends up going. Right, and speaking of, he does. He I'm shows up in this. Absolutely, just a fanboy right now, watching this cartoon and seeing Hawkeye in his classic costume. Now, his costume is ridiculous if you were to bring it to the real world, but I just I love looking at it. It's what I'm used to. Oh, Hawkeye's costume. Yeah, I know, like the mantle with you know the mask and everything. And, and of course, it's, the sword and sorcery style. Like, what do you call that thing that goes over your groin down to your leg? What kind of piece of clothing is that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I could just say it's barbarian, like you know, barbarian. Yeah, it's something. It's it's old school, definitely. But I just I've always been oh. fascinated with archery. That's why I love Green Arrow, and that's why I love Hawkeye. And I always love oh, that yeah. Hawkeye. You know, you, you know why Hawkeye is on the West Coast Avengers, right? Not particularly. Because him and Captain America went at it all the time. Hawkeye refused to follow any rules, and. Him and Captain America just kept butting heads until at one point it just became an issue during one of their battles that Hawkeye refused to listen and things went wrong. 
and it was time for Tony Stark to go back to California permanently. So he said, you know what, I will fund the West Coast Division, and Hawkeye, you can lead it. I will help out as much as I can, but it's your game. And he brought Mockingbird with him. At one point he brought Vision, but it was kind of cool because you had certain style of heroes on one side and a certain style of heroes on the other, because you had a... Oh, and there's also U.S. Agent. That's right, U.S. Agent went over to the West Coast, and it was Spider-Woman for a little bit, but I can't remember the original core team. It's been so long. I think Wonder Man was part of the original West Coast. Yes, he was. And yeah, Whatever they had on the West Coast, they always had someone equal on the East Coast because Hercules would be on the original Avengers, and then uh, you know Simon, Wonder Man, would be over on the West Coast, and then you had Iron Man over on the West Coast, but then you would have Stingray, who was an armored guy, over on... Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how they balance that out. Yeah, it was. I mean, especially... I mean, you do need, like, a West defense force should anything happen. Right. So, yeah, it was a smart move. It's always weird that they decided to stick to America. Maybe it's just because they were all American. But, you know, the Justice League, they did something slightly different. Right at the same time the Avengers split into two groups, they relaunched Justice League, and then they said, you know what, this is successful. Let's go Let's go have another one. And they had everybody go over to Europe. Right. I, I want to say, though, I mean, Marvel Animation Studios, They, I mean, like, this is the same great stuff we've seen before, like with Hulk and... And everything else on that uh, time block, that USA time block. Oh, yeah, it's called the Marvel Action Hour. I wonder what cartoons were. It was packaged with Iron Man and Fantastic Four. So I guess they would kind of flow in and out. One, you know, one would be... Because I don't think the Fantastic Four lasted as long. Uh, Iron Man lasted two seasons. I'm pretty sure Fantastic Four only lasted one. And by the way, fans, we are going to be discussing the Fantastic Four animated series, both the 80s version and the 90s version, coming up when the new movie comes out. Which I think might... It does look, I think it looks awesome. Yeah, it does. It looks really great. It looks very different, which is the right thing to do, because I think a lot of people got burned on the original movies. Oh, yeah, that's mainly because of Tim's story and all the stupid jokes and writing. The minute I saw that Tim's story was connected to it, I was like, whoa, hold on a second. Barbershop was good. Taxi sucked. But there's nothing about him that says that he could handle it, except the fact that he could handle an ensemble. Pretty much, yeah, and not to mention, like, casting. I mean, for the most part, like I said, uh, what's his name? Julian McMahon from Nip Tuck. Right. You know what? We should save this for the Fantastic Four episode. Yes. Uh, so the voice actors for the series Iron Man, Robert Hayes, which is uh, surprising because, I mean, I know he wasn't a huge star, but, you know, he did star in Airplane, and he was in the, the Starman TV show. He's a really good actor. It's just I think a lot of people oh, saw him as yeah. bland, so they didn't use him anymore. Oh, yeah, Robert. Oh, gosh. That's why he sounds so familiar. That's what, ow, sorry, stepped on something. Yeah, uh, James <laughs> Avery, who just passed, of course, did tons of voice work. Most people know him as Uncle Phil on Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, oh, that's right. He's the voice of uh, War Machine. War oh, Machine, may he rest Warwick in peace. And Blacklash. Oh wow. Now um, there is another actor who took over for War Machine, Dorian Harewood. Uh, a lot of people know him. He's a big TVA guy. He was on Viper. He was in Full Metal Jacket. What's the What's the Van Damme movie where he's a hockey? It's like Die Hard in a Hockey Rink. Uh, sudden Death. Sudden Death. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. But he did crap loads of voice work. Of course, Jim Cummings yet again. John Riley. Is that John C. Riley? Is that a different? No, it's a different John Riley. I was going to say John C. Riley. Hilarious if he was. I would have heard that. I would have recognized his voice anywhere. Oh, and here we look. We got the Hammer Channel Tunnel. Oh, this is where Hammer gets introduced. And he's an old guy, not Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I didn't realize this. Later in the series, the Hulk comes over. Yes, he does. I knew. Yeah, that's right. They did have some like interactions. They would they would cross over. Because I know in like the Hulk the Hulk series, you know, Iron, you know, Bruce Banner and the Hulk separate. 
and uh, he goes into the Hulkbuster armor. Which is going to show up in the new Avengers movie. Which looks amazing. I know, right? It's like, I feel like my brain's going to explode the minute I, it, it starts. I'm not going to be able to show I'm going to handle it. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm going to explode. My head will just explode and it'll be brains all over the place. It'll be like, oh gosh. But you'll have a smile on your face all the time. My brain is gone. I'm so happy. No, the, my, it's like whatever facial whatever facial remains splattered all over the place will still be smiling and twitching. <laughs> and that's the only sound that come out of people like, just let it go, man. He's having a good time. Honestly, this animated series, like when I saw like War Machine and you know Iron Man team up, it was just so sick. Them just going like all out, yeah. shooting out all their laser blasts. Well, you know, the uh, Spider-Man series that started around the same time was kind of, it set the trend of really diving into the history of the Marvel Universe. There's a lot of obscure characters that would not get their own, you know, and it just, I was really happy to see a lot of this stuff. I didn't realize, no, did you know this is not based on the West Coast Avengers? It is based well, on it... Force Works. I barely remember that co- that comic book. It only lasted like twenty five episodes or something like, or twenty five issues. Yeah, no. For me, like I said, that's just weird. I mean, it, it pretty much has most of the ensemble of West Coast Avengers right there. What's the difference? I don't know. It's oh gosh, it's like vanilla and vanilla bean. Yeah, very exactly, little. Different. Yeah. It says here that the uh, the Force Works decided to end their government connection and their connection to the East Coast branch because. They wanted to not just stop disasters, but prevent them. So they worked as more of a black ops. Uh, oh, look, here's Titanium Man. Uh, so the team, uh, Forceworks, I don't even know some of these guys. Uh, it's uh, Sentry. Uh, you got me on who that is. Cybermancer. Moonraker. Who, who are these people? I don't know, but Moonraker, okay. Yeah, like that was definitely James Bond. Who influence. are these people? I mean, Hey! <laughs> Who are those people? That was a terrible Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> I know. I, can't, I don't want to do Jerry Seinfeld either. Uh, like, uh, Wonder Man, War Machine, U.S. Agent, Spider Woman, Scarlet Witch, Iron Man. Those I all know. That's basically West Coast Avengers. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. Oh, okay, so honestly, I will, say, I will say, like, what this tries to do, it does try to open up, like, Avengers and whatnot. And it also tries to open up some of the, like, cosmic possibilities, like Thanos and, you know, it, like it showed a minute ago, the giant dragon, Fin Fang Foom. Which is a stunning like, thing for a cartoon to attempt. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a giant, I mean, it's a giant freaking dragon. Who doesn't want to play freaking dragons? Yeah, I'm surprised that Fin Fang Foom is even in this because he's more of an Iron, or a Thor kind of character. You know? Yeah. Not character, but villain. So, yeah, I think we just come to the first end, the episode, end of the first episode. Yeah, I'm checking here to see if these are on DVD, and I, I don't really see that it's been released in America. Uh, right, dang. Of course not. We never oh, get anything no, good. No. It says, uh, release the series on Region 1 DVD May 4, 2010 to co- coincide with Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Oh. But, I think I remember that when yeah. Iron Man 2 was on sale. But you know what? Check this out. If you want to, if you dig it, which it is actually a really respectful series. I would say the first series is a little bit lighter than later. It, it gets more uh, more comic book. God, when you say something's comic book, it's kind of insulting. But now it's when I mean when I say comic book, I mean the fact that it sticks to its mythology. Yeah, it does. And also, oh crap, I forgot what I was gonna say. No, okay. wait a minute. Now, now I remember. No, I, I I thought what was pretty funny, like you know how they ended the show with like you know the villain, you know his plans are followed, and he just goes, no, no, no. I'm like, ugh, did they really have to do that? Did they really have to go that stereotypical? Yeah, yeah it was '94, but come on. All right, everybody, we're going to take a brief break, and then we'll come back with Avengers United They Stand. Whoa, cool graphics! I know, huh? It's Jamatska. What? 
you know, Jemetska, designer of t-shirts and other stuff. Oh, rad! Other stuff. Like mugs, art prints, smartphone accessories. Just visit www.jemetsko.com. All right! Everybody. Uh, so this is kind of unusual. We're going to be talking about a cartoon that kind of doesn't stick to the rules of the show. The show has always been about classic cartoons, and therefore, in order to be considered classic, it has to be over 20 years since its premiere. And this one is, it's getting there. It's uh, 15, 16, what is it, 99? So that's 16 years ago. That's close enough. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're doing this, of course, because Avengers opens in a week, and... Uh, I figured it was a, it's the best connection to Iron Man we could find. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> that theme song, though, Avenger. Oh, you know the guy <laughs> who did that obviously did uh, the X-Men and the Spider-Man. They're, they're all, they sound exactly the same. No, but did he have to say Avengers in that? I mean, I, I was fine with just an instrumental. Oh, you don't, or at like, least, you don't like and the with, Avenger. I was like, no, because I feel like, I mean, I... Wasn't in the mood to being seduced. <laughs> that was weird. Don't you want to be caressed with a little bit of uh, Avengers? <laughs> All right, everybody. The entire series is up on YouTube. The series is titled "The Avengers United They Stand." The first episode is "Avengers Assemble." Go ahead and hit play now. Yeah, no, I definitely remember uh, growing up with this one. And no, the first ensemble. I mean, you know, you got Ant Man, Wasp. You got that duo, pretty much leading the way. So it looks like it takes place in the very, very far future. Oh, hey, look, Hawkeye. <laughs> he's still got the mask and everything. He's letting his hair out a bit more. I think Wonder it's, Man. And... It's insanely stupid. I cannot stand the design on these characters. It bugs me to no end. They obviously look like they're action figures. They don't look like human beings. There is no way in hell Hawkeye can move around properly with those two friggin' pontoons sticking out of his back. Well, Falcon looks exactly the same. Wonder Man, too. And who else? Oh, yeah, Vision. Vision would work. He's a robot. Yeah. Well, Vision changed a few times. I remember when he was clear. That was weird. Like, they decided, oh, he's going to be pure white. I was like, yeah. Yeah, he was tra- yeah, he was just transparent. How did they keep stains off him? Do you think they had to bleach him on a regular basis? Maybe, yeah. Use, I don't know. Use goo gone? Pretty much. I think so. White out, if need be. Now, he looks awesome in the movie. He looks classic right there. That, I know. The, the original look of Vision is in that movie. So, yeah, okay, cool, awesome. And, hey, look, look who's the main villain, Ultron. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty. That's off to a pretty good start. Yeah, you know, it's, and, it's 
they treat this uh, usually cartoons they have to build up the origin you know how they got together how they did things whatever marvel was really smart in thinking you know what the fans are going to know the basics we do not need to repeat ourselves and so they just kind of jump into the action now vision of course is one of the very early avengers characters so it's kind of strange they're inter- introducing him now, but it makes sense if you, you know, once you get into the story. At least someone to, like, at least set it up for, you know, the younger audience that haven't read, read comic books, right. but watch the cartoon. I mean, you can, plus, you know, kids love action in the cartoons. It's what they really wait for. Not too big on character development, depending. I don't know. If you're a romantic, you might like the love story. Yeah. Or get made fun of by your older brothers for it. <laughs> well, Scarlet, the relationship between Scarlet Witch and Vision is very tragic. And, of course, he's a robot who somehow is able to simulate feelings. And through magic, through sheer willpower, Scarlet Witch has children. But then they're basically destroyed. They're absorbed in some magic universe, whatever. And she basically snaps. And then Vision is destroyed and he's brought back. But he doesn't have any human emotions. He doesn't even know who Scarlet Witch is. And it just destroyed her. And then eventually she lost her mind and sabotaged the Avengers to the point where Hawkeye was killed. And then she erased most of the mutants on the planet. That is scary to know that she'll be able to do that. Ant-Man died. Too. Oh yeah, Hank Pym. Oh yeah, no, no, it just shows like that's I get you know it already showed Hank Pym who was the one who was ultimately responsible for creating Ultron. Right, but it's different in the movies, which is kind of strange that they're going in the direction. I mean, it kind of makes sense once you got used to the movies, but everybody knows that Hank created Ultron, and yet for some reason they're ignoring it in the movie. It kind of bugs me. <sighs> Yeah, but, you know, in the movie, I guess the way they set it up now is that Tony was the one responsible for building him. Yeah, and they're not going with Hank. They're going with Scott Pym, or Scott Lang. Yeah, no, Hank Pym does create, you know, the Ant-Man suit and all that, and but, you know, it does go with Scott Lang. I thought, you know, I thought it'd be pretty cool to, you know, go with the character of Scott Lang. You know, he's younger, and especially after casting Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. Yeah. I thought, I, you know, plus, you know, it's a good comeback for, you know, Michael Douglas. I mean, okay. he's been like, I mean, ever since, you know, you know, it's building, his reputation built back up after, you know, behind the candelabra. By the way, they're using actual art for those pictures of Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. And I think it's weird that they can use them here. Here's the thing. Uh, I was reading, reading Wizard Magazine religiously. I had every single issue and I read them to death. I mean, I would lose like a day reading them. And I remember seeing the very first outline for this co- uh, this cartoon and Captain America was the star. It was going to be Captain America and the Avengers. But then Marvel did not own the rights to that character, nor did they have Iron Man or Thor. They licensed that out when they were basically bankrupt, desperate to survive. So that's why you see kind of obscure heroes here. Yeah, although it's cool to see Wonder Man. I mean, there's really not too much light on him. No, he's kind of ignored. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. That's the cool thing about this. They said this is based on the the very first run of West Coast Avengers. Everybody that was a hero during that time is here except for Iron Man and then they just add a few others just to fill the cast. Right. I will say Hawkeye is pretty looking. I mean, as as cool as he looks, who knows, it might be like, you know, some very, it's very durable but very light armor, which is why he's able to be so flexible. I mean, it looks like it's, you know, everything looks so highly advanced. Nah, I don't know. I still hate it. I hate the hairdo. I hate the look of the costume. He's obviously just designed to look like a toy. Well, yeah, no, there was a huge action figure series that yeah. took off after this. And also, plus, it looks like, you know, Hank Pym is the leader of the Avengers right here. Yeah, you know, he was a pretty suitable leader. There was a point, though, where I can't remember what happened, but I think the technology of Yellow Jacket 
messed his mind up and he started beating his wife you know uh, his wife uh, is janet you know uh the wasp wasp yeah and he started uh, beating her or whatever and he started getting very violent and i guess it's been so long since i read that storyline but i guess he got help and it was something was poisoning his brain so he went back to normal which is nice right oh like oh those two things on his back were his bow oh it just turns oh hey look it's the quinjet you know but it is it's kind of weird that marvel didn't like you know own the rights to captain america iron man or Thor. i was like those are like pretty much the big three of the the, avengers they were licensing out their characters in the 80s they licensed out captain america and spider-man the canon they licensed uh well okay hold on New World Pictures decided they wanted to play with the big boys and start making superhero movies, and they decided to go by Marvel. So the head of Revlon is the same guy who owned New World and Marvel and Topps. I think it was Topps. Or maybe it was Donruss. It was a baseball card company. Right. But he had a way of filtering out the money from those companies and putting them in other things to fund more purchases and more purchases and more. He never actually turned a profit with any of these companies. He was constantly just shuffling money from company to company to company to company. And then one uh. day, it bit him in the butt, and everybody discovered, guess what? New World has no money, so they shut down. That's why um, Punisher went straight to video, because they, they just had to sell it to anybody who would take it. And Marvel, if it wasn't for their licensing, they would have shut down a long time ago. They, oh, yeah. they finally went bankrupt in 1996, and the only way that they came out of bankruptcy was ditching that guy, selling the company to, I think it was Toy Biz, you know, the, the people who made the action figures. Yeah. And uh, they just rethought everything, and they started licensing out the characters like crazy just to get some money in. There was literally a point in Marvel's lineup where they only had, I think, 10 comics a month. 10. And now they have, like, you know, 50. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really bad, and... They licensed out Captain America to uh, Artisan, which became Lionsgate. Uh, they licensed out, yeah, they licensed out Iron Fist, Black Panther, Punisher, Captain America, Swamp Thing, not Swamp Thing, uh, Man Thing, and I think another one to that company. And New Line Cinema had Iron Man. I don't know who had Thor, but obviously they didn't have the rights to any of these characters, so they just had to choose the ones that no one wanted. Right. Oh, cool! Now they introduce Falcon. Falcon actually—he looks pretty much the same. Yeah, his 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 design is pretty classic. When when a character has a design that everybody finds appealing, it's really really hard to change it. Now Tigra, she actually has no real outfit. <laughs> she herself is kind of the outfit. She yeah, she doesn't need an outfit. I mean, I mean, as long, hopefully that fur is bulletproof and fireproof. <laughs> yeah. I thought Scarlet Witch's helmet was stupid looking, or whatever headpiece. I thought it looks exactly the same as it did before, just a little bit pointier. No, I mean, it does. I just think it, I've always thought it was a ridiculous look. I don't really understand it. Right. It would have been I, nice I also if they say... Quicksilver to this. Which one? Quicksilver, her brother. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they have, they, yeah they, I know they added him later. But also, um, as far as Wonder Man goes, yeah, Wonder Man looks exactly the same, too. His stays classic. No, uh, here's a weird thing. If you look at the history of Wonder Man, he's changed his costume over and over and over. There was, there was though, one look out of, like, his dozen different changes that kind of stuck around for a while, and that's kind of the look that you see here. You know, the classic shades, the red and black. But he still changes on a regular basis. Yeah, gosh. Oh, my God. I don't know why they got so many changes. I mean, he goes through, he just goes through his cost, uh, costume constantly. He can't make up his mind on what to wear. Well, A, it's, uh, if you look at his early designs, the first few are the most god-awful pieces of crap you've ever seen in your life. In fact, your your eyes might bleed, so just be careful. Ow. And t- uh, two, uh, he's an actor, 
So he kind of has one of those what's of the moment kind of look, you know? So he does change oh. a lot. But this is probably the most recognizable look of his. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what exactly are his powers again? Well, he's just really super strong. Uh, he can fly, but I don't think he can fly on his own. I seem to remember him having, like, little jets. Yeah, that's right. He had jets on his sides and then one on his backs he had for a while. So he can't fly on his own. I think he might just be super strong. It's been a really long time since I even paid attention to that character. Yeah, well, I hope they bring him in eventually as far as like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, have him as a supporting character. If superhero stories can keep holding up without people getting sick of them, my problem with the whole Avengers isn't the Avengers themselves. It's the concept that Marvel came up with. Let's have this shared universe. Then all of a sudden, every single company on the planet decided, oh, oh, oh crap. Uh, what do we got? What, what franchise do we have that's really hot right now? Okay, we're going to expand upon that. I mean, look, Sony just bought Valiant Comics because they want their own universe. They tried to extend Spider-Man to a universe, but that blew up in their face a little bit. X-Men is trying to expand, uh, you know, over at Fox. I don't know. Do you think it would be a Fantastic Four X-Men movie? That would be pretty cool. There are times where they have joined up. Yeah, and of course, Disney also has Star Wars, which are trying to make a massive multi-film yeah. thing. They tried doing that Honestly, with Fast though. and Furious, but that didn't go well. <laughs> but that's not their fault. It's just life happens and, it, you know, things change. Right. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, of course. And then there's the legal guy saying, oh, you know, Avengers should shut down. You're you're nothing but a mess. You're... Oh, God. Yeah. Punch that guy in the face. Well, just Henry, really punch him. Henry Gyrich is... I think that's how his name is. Gyrich or Gyrich. He's always been a massive pain in the butt. And... I think for a while he actually turned into a villain and became reformed. I don't know. He's a very complicated character. I know. I think I, re- I think I recognize him from X-Men, too. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought he was part of the Executioner's song or Executioner's something uh, storyline where he tried to... He was like a robot all of a sudden. He started murdering everybody. It was a weird storyline. It's when the, uh, no one knew what to do with the X-Men. Right. I can't believe this only lasted 13 oh. episodes, but I do remember being irritated with some of the stuff that they did with the characters, and I just kind of lost my focus with watching it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it looks like it, it is a successful cartoon. And the guy who was just the voice of him, he sounded familiar. Like, that wasn't Casey Kasem, was it? All right, let's see. Are we talking about Henry Gyrich, the, the stuff yeah. suit? Let me see who played him. Actually, first off, let's go through the cast. I do not recognize a single name here. Holy crap. I don't recognize anybody. We always have classic names with our animation. Is this on purpose to save money, or whoa, is it a different country? I kid you not, I don't recognize a single name here. This is weird. This is really weird. Like, oh my god. Sure, it's, it's quite, you can say it's a little bizarre. You know, nothing you can easily recognizable. But yeah, no, I thought Hawkeye sounded familiar. I thought it was like, um, Quentin Flynn or something, but it's not. No, I got nothing here. You look this up. Uh, let's see, Tony Daniels might be the only name that I recognize. Nope, don't know him. He has done stuff. But it's almost all anime. Is that Jarvis? What? No, he played Hawkeye. I hate... Yeah, no, that's Jarvis. Yeah, that uh, their servant. Oh, oh, the character. Sorry, I was looking at something else. I yeah, despise no, okay. the voice of Hawkeye, by the way. He should not sound like the Punisher. He sounds kind of like Punisher and Wolverine. He also, yeah, it's like Wolverine crossed with uh, a Harrison Ford. Get off my plane. Chewie, we're home. <laughs> okay, dude, I almost cried at that point. I'm a very I don't blame you. negative person, but I was like... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, oh my god, they're back. <laughs> After 30 years. Well, I mean, it's like, it's not just about the fact that, you know, 
their characters are back. It's about the fact the whole franchise seems to be, oh, back where it needs to be instead of in George Lucas's hands. Give it to someone who cares about the franchise. I think he was just doing it to, well, I need to stay relevant and I can use some cash. Oh, yeah. need to stay relevant and, uh, you know, the power of myth can uh, be varied and changed. Damn. Okay, I want to say, okay, right here, I think this cartoon does give you some good insight to Ant-Man. Yeah, he, at least take him anyway. He is an ignored character. Uh, I don't. I really don't know how the movie's going to play because it's it, it's technically part of the universe, but you don't recognize any of the character. It seems like a whole new thing, but it worked for Guardians of the Galaxy. I was so sure that Marvel was making a bad decision with Guardians of the Galaxy. I was, I was certain. I was like, I don't even recognize a single person here. I've never read Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, no, no, that's not true. I read Guardians of the Galaxy during the 90s, and I don't see any of the people that I read in that comic here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't even know who Guardians of the Galaxy were at all. I thought, if anything, it would have to do with Nova. Well, I, I knew who Drax was because he was a villain in the Silver Surfer comics. But everybody oh, okay. else, I was like, yeah, I've heard of Rocket Raccoon, but I thought he was like a joke. And, uh... I, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I don't know who the rest of you guys are. Right. Groot? I've and... heard of Groot. A talking tree, but somehow... James Gunn was the exact right person to pick. And that's my problem with Ant-Man, because from day one, they picked James Gunn. I knew who James Gunn was, and he was awesome. And he stayed oh, with yeah. it the whole way. He wrote, produced, and directed it, and it never wavered from his vision. Ant-Man is a huge problem because they basically stabbed Edward Wright in the back. I know. Even I Joss Whedon agrees with Edgar Wright. You know, Edgar Wright's script, Edgar Wright and his co-writer script, co-writer script, like that was would have been like one of Mar- like one of if not Marvel's best movie. What was Yet, the problem? Was it the fact that he refused to tie it to the Marvel universe, like make it connected to Avengers? I mean, how how much change was there that they had to go? Oh well, you know what? You're just going to have to leave. Sorry. I don't know, but I'm pretty much. But like, I think. Like, what, five or six other directors uh, turned that movie down after Edgar Wright left. That is a terrible and, sign. And then they picked a guy who directed Yes Man. I love Yes Man. I think it's a great movie. He, but I think he also directed Bridesmaids, too. No, that's Paul Feig. You're thinking of someone else. Oh, okay. But I look at this and I go, how is it the director of Yes Man is the right director for Ant-Man? I, I, I don't see it anywhere. Peyton Reed. Yeah, but even Adam McKay, who was, like, friends with Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, who, like, co-wrote you know, over Edgar Wright's script. Yeah, even Adam McKay turned it down, and but Paul Rudd, like, rewrote the rest of, like, you know, the rest of the script, like, to get, at least to get it to fit towards uh, yeah. Disney and Marvel's needs. I, I wish that there were, there was a way for us to at least read the script and be like, oh, shit, that's a lot different than I expected. I just, I, it bugs me that someone, what, what makes me mad is it's the fact that they, uh, they hired him in, what, 90, not 1990, sorry, uh, 2008, 2006. They hired him a long, long time ago to work on this movie, and then they're just like, nah, we're okay. I know you spent six years of your life writing this, but yeah, we're going to move on. I just, I know. I hope they paid him well. Yeah, they better have. I mean, he can't walk away for, he can't walk away for that without nothing. No, it just, oh, it just hurts inside. I hope the movie's good. Paul Rudd needs a hit, badly. And if this is a bomb, even if it does okay... People are going to start looking at Marvel going, oop, there's a chink in the armor. Oh, no, it's time to take them down. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's what you get for kicking off Edward, Edgar Wright, if that be the case. So, you know, we have Ant-Man coming out. We have uh, Doctor Strange, and I don't know how I feel about that. Scott Derrickson is an okay director, and uh, I'm just not feeling 
that Doctor Strange is going to be a huge hit because he's never been a very strong comic book sale kind of person, you know, character. Right. I mean, his comics have always done okay, but making a huge movie with him, I think, I feel like Marvel's running out of characters. Yeah, at least the ones that they know they can sell. Yeah. Okay, I want to say Black Panther looks like it has a lot of potential, but you know that this country is still insanely racist, and they're going to see a black superhero and go, no, no, forget it. You're no oh, Will Smith, fuck. you know. Oh, Will Smith, by the way, is going to be playing Deadshot in, uh, oh gosh. Suicide Squad. Yes, yeah, Suicide Squad. What is wrong with me? You think he'll wear the helmet or they'll skip that because he's a star? I hope he wears the helmet. They better learn from Judge Dredd. That they at least better put him in the helmet of some of the movie because that's what everybody knows. And if you take that away, people are going to be pissed. It does. It takes away the character. I mean that. I mean that Sylvester Stallone mess in '95 pretty much almost killed the changed the character entirely. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to say here right now. I mean, yes. Uh, Hank Pym. What not only was Ant Man, but he was also eventually became Giant Man because of Pym particles. He would be able to grow as well. Yeah, which well, he just demonstrated right. There. Yeah, he was Yellow Jacket. He was Ant Man, Giant Man, and uh, uh, Goliath. He was Goliath for a while. Not yeah, and then Goliath became somebody else afterward. Right, who became Black Goliath, and I think Black Goliath ended up with a huge hole in his chest because the fake clone Thor blew blew him apart. Yeah, Thor can do that. He's a god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's the end of uh, Avengers United They Stand. I cannot recommend the series. I love the fact that they have all these obscure characters, but I'm not a fan of this. I will recommend Iron Man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I mean, you know, Avengers has got a cool, futuristic, you know, edgy look to it, but that's about it. I would say wait for the newer series, Avengers Assemble, and uh, what's the other one? Avengers, uh, dang it. There is another Avengers series going on right now that's actually pretty decent. The animation is weird. It's like all flat and stuff. Oh, like Disney XD? That's the one you're talking about? The one that does uh, Spider-Man? Yes. The Ultimate Spider-Man? Now, the new Spider-Man is amazing, but uh, the cartoons, they can be touch and go. Yeah, no, honestly, for me, nothing touches the 90, the, 90, the 90s animated series of Spider-Man. Oh, okay. No, the uh, 2010 Earth Mightiest Heroes is okay, but I do, uh, do like the new one. Yes, uh, I don't know, dude. Uh, that new Spider-Man series is pretty spot on and it has a lot of characters like oh my god i can't believe they brought them in which they never did in the 94 series but the 94 series is the one that set the trend where they said hey let's really stick to the comics let's stick to the mythology the last few cartoons that we had kind of bounced in and out of that world and it is it's a love letter to the fans right you know honestly uh, speaking of spider-man you know now he's going to be joining the avengers too because of what, you know, Sony and Marvel, you know, made a deal. Yeah. And also, in the animated series, uh, yeah, I never saw the Beatle. I saw Hammerhead and other smaller villains, but not the Beatle. I am a huge fan of the Beatle. I know it sounds ridiculous because he's just a generic armored hero, but there, there are some, there's certain levels of villains in each comic. There's always the A, the B, and the C. C can die at any moment, no one really cares, and someone else will come in as that that character the b-level guys the guys that you know just coming and out usually get their butt handed to them they like the rhino and of course you got the a-list guys like you know chameleon and uh green goblin venom yeah and you know carnage i beetle is a c-level character but something about him i really enjoy i do too i mean he just he definitely has that look i do i mean i'm just hoping what they do with the spider-man franchise as far as like casting I don't know what they're going to do. I know they're going to go with the young high school Peter Parker again. Yeah. But I just, that's like, please, don't do the origin story. No, we already not. get the it's idea. Not. I thought it was, I thought, you know, Amazing Spider-Man did a better job than Sam Raimi. Mm. 
Mark Webb, I thought, was a better director for that for that franchise. I don't know about that. I love Sam Raimi's attitude, but he does handle it a little campy. Comic book movies have changed so much now that I, they refuse to have campiness or tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's pretty straight up, and the humor has to come out of reality. And that's what the Avengers changed. And then Guardian Galaxies reinforced is it has to be, if it's going to be funny, it has to be real-world kind of understandable humor. can't be cheesy one-liners. It can't be a campy tone. If it comes out, it's like the fact that, you know, when Iron Man wakes up at the end of Avengers, he's like, hey, Please tell me nobody kissed me. Huh? Yeah. Like, please tell me nobody kissed me. Oh, I love the fact he's like, after we're done with this, let's get some shawarma, you know, and stuff like that. Or the the fact that the Hulk just punches Thor. It's out of that. It's not just some like, let's treat this with disrespect like Batman and Robin did. Uh, I don't even start on that one. All right. So that's it for us here. Thank you for uh, 